Boogie Matrix is our guest today, but they also have a reunion show going on October 26, 2019 at the Civic Music Hall in Toledo, Ohio. The Funk Factory will be opening up for them, so go check them out. Tickets are available now, October 26, 10 years of laser grape with Boogie Matrix Mechanism. Our sponsor, Moded Embroidered Patches and Apparel, has changed their website to modedstudios.com. They are no longer moded, hella moded.com. Although that website still works, go check out modedstudios.com and find all the coolest patches you can imagine. They got Wu-Tang patches, they got Bart Simpson patches, they got they got pins, they got hats with Wu-Tang on it. Go check it out. There's all kinds of crazy, awesome, funny, and, and heartfelt stuff on there, and they're always updating the website, adding new stuff. They also do custom work. Go to modedstudios.com, M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S, Com. Check it out. Now on with the show. Fresh. Fresh. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Johnny K and Jim Coleman. Coleman? Coleman? Col- Coleman? I-, I can't say your name, Jim. I'm sorry. I guess I should have asked you that before I started recording this, but that's not what happened. So Jim and Johnny are on the show today, and they're pretty much an open book. Uh, it-, it was pretty much like a Reddit AMA. Johnny had his 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 whiskey, and uh, he was just like, ask me anything, and, uh, and he answered most of the questions. There was some things that he was a little tight-lipped about, which is totally understandable. Uh, when you're in a band and those other band members aren't there to, to, ta- to speak for themselves, uh, it's a little inappropriate to just be throwing your brothers under the bus. Unless you hate the fucking assholes, then you can just say whatever the fuck you want about them. <laughs> but Johnny and Jim don't hate their, their bandmates, and so some things were not open for discussion. But uh, there was a lot. So get ready. Get strapped in. This is a good conversation. I had a great time. I was high as fuck off of cold pills or, or no, allergy medicine. So uh, there, you, you can hear me going, you know, doing the whole nasally, I can't breathe in my nose talk. But anyways, we'll get to them in a second. But first, I want to uh, direct you all to rainamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Go over there and check it out. Our new album, 1018, is up and Adam. You can uh, stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, anywhere you get your music. We also have a few physical copies left. We're going to have to order some more, actually. This is a good reminder. Order some more hard copies. Uh, but you can also go to the experience tab at rainamystique.com and find out where me and Raina are going to be playing around Toledo and uh, the the region around the northwest Ohio and southeast Michigan. Uh, This weekend, if you're around uh, Friday night, 
Let's see, 1018, 2019 at Hooligans from 830 to 1130 in Andrew, Michigan. And Saturday we'll be at Bono Tavern in Bono, Ohio uh, from 9 to 11. And that's the 19th, 1019, 2019. What else? What else do we got? Oh, go to uh we Check it out. It's been redesigned. It's fun. It's it's good for the whole family. Not really. Uh <laughs> You can check out our sponsor, ModedStudios.com. Go get yourself some embroidered patches of some Wu-Tang or, or, or some some uh, Bart Simpson shit. There's all kinds of stuff. Go to ModedStudios.com. Oh, that was a burp. ModedStudios.com. Go check it out. Uh, you can also follow Moded at uh, Moded Studios on Instagram. So go do that. Also, go follow We Speak English Good on Instagram. I, I've actually been putting up some uh, tutorial videos, and I, I uh, I've been having a really good time with it. I've been doing this thing where I'm uh, learning a lick that I learn off of YouTube, of course and uh, like a jazz lick right now we're doing a jazz series and then i learned that same lick on uh multiple instruments so i'll learn it on guitar and then i'll do it on keys and then sometimes even bass and uh it's been great i've been getting good results people have been really enjoying it so uh go check us out it's at we speak english good we got we got all kinds of cool content about the podcast and uh of course there's the tutorials live performances all kinds of stuff it's basically whatever the fuck i feel like throwing up there but right now i'm really into making these tutorial videos and it, and people like them so i'm gonna keep doing it and and it's really helping me honestly it, i'm doing it for myself because i'm a lazy fuck and if i don't have something to work towards then i don't do anything so <laughs> at we speak english good on facebook and on instagram and uh on youtube if you want to check out my youtube anyways uh let's see what else we got write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com let us know what you, how we're doing what you're thinking whatever <laughs> you can also rate us on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcast rate us it helps it, it just the five star thing is great you can leave comments uh on soundcloud or or, or spotify wherever you get your podcast make comments leave ratings i'll read them on the air if they're nice enough I don't read the asshole ones anymore because, well, there's a lot of assholes out there. Okay, that's enough out of me. I, I know I've been blathering on. I, I've been These intros have been starting to get too long again, so I'm going to have to go back through and start cutting this shit down again. But here's Johnny K and Jim Coleman, 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 Jim, Jim, Johnny and Jim of Boogie Matrix. Jim Common, how you Split checking over the there? Five ways. Are oh, you doing well? Doing well. Doing good. <laughs> Looking good. Do, Looking, Looking real good. good. Feeling good. You got an open wound on your on your foot. I do. Yes. How did how did that happen? I dropped a shovel on my bare foot. Oh my god. 
It's like no matter how fucking careful you think you are, like you're nah, not. It was stupid. You're not it, careful. It almost forty. I should know better than to try to do yard work and bare feet. But <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a big gash too. Figure that one out in your teens. Big gash. <laughs> That's what you learn early on in life. But I used to, I used to grow like a shit ton of weed in my backyard in California, and I would out, be out there in my slippers all the fucking time, or not my slippers, my my sandals. Right. And I had a similar thing happen where I'm like going. Blah. But it only got like the very end of my toe, what? so it oh, didn't. We're not recording now. Yeah, we are. Oh, okay, we're going. This no. is it. Okay, so no, <laughs> yeah, I just gonna be. The, the shovel really just dropped onto my foot. Oh god! As I was trying to put it in the garage and left an open gaper. So. Oh, nice. God. So do you, did you have to go to work like that? I did. I just oh, I yeah, just butterfly uh, stitched it at home. But butterfly stitched oh, they're it like at a, home. They're like a. Uh, Oh, like they the sticky one? Kinda. Yeah, the tip. Okay, you, okay. You push it together and tape it. Yeah, and, yeah. And I wasn't going to spend Labor Day evening at an urgent care for that. So we, we blasted it out with this. The saline comes in a can. It comes out like a fire hose. And Jesus. And you just like, <laughs> on the wound. And, uh, you know, hopefully nice the tetanus job. doesn't kick in yet. So <laughs> nice black job. jaw might not be a bad. I, I would enjoy it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> so, okay. So, Johnny, Jim, I appreciate it. Boogie Matrix. You guys, uh, you guys got a big show coming up, the 26th. And it's a big show because you guys haven't done this in... It's been a couple years, right? At least... At least. Like six years? Six years for the what I'll call the second half of right. Boogie Matrix and probably more closer to 10 with the original lineup. Is that... It's something along Because We went lines. five years with Seth, and then um, what have we been not playing for now? Uh, like, what? This is... Probably three, four three, at least. Because Delilah's seven. So, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, with this lineup, it's been around 10 years, we'll say. Around 10 yeah. years. Well, we'll, we'll give it the 10. We'll, we'll give, give it, it the 10. 10. Yeah, because your guys' last album was released, what, in uh, 2009, 2010? The last album with this group it was called Laser Grape. And um, we did do one studio album after that called Coast Ride. And we can get into that when you want, but it was what I'll call the second half of Boogie Matrix without this lineup. Okay, so, so oh, right, yeah, Jim concurs. Well, I tend to take up. Yeah. Well, then, okay, then let's back up a bit. Let, let's just get a little. I, I want to know a little bit about you guys. Like, what? All right, uh, Johnny, what is there a musical lineage in your family? What What is your background? With yeah, this? um, actually, my dad is a musician his whole life, guitar player. He had a circular saw accident, which um, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's injured his arm to the point where he, he can't physically play like he used to, but he's, he's uh, sat in with us over the years in harmonica. Um, uh, my stepdad, Greg Leonard, uh, with Chuck Mock, who had Big, uh, Big Sky, is it Blue Sky or Big Sky? Big, Big Sky Big recording Sky. in Ann Arbor, um, who's now what I'll call a really successful studio engineer in L.A. Oh, um, nice. You know, he's worked with just about everybody from Prince to uh, actually had the drummer from the Rolling Stones out with him yeah. uh, just recently working on, uh, uh, he did a, a sort of a virtual tour for disabled people so that you could go and visit uh, museums and hotels and stuff like that and, and using the virtual thing. And, you know, he's done scores for like Gotham and, and just, you know, Whatever it is in this business, you know. So what do you the, do? This is your stepdad. Yeah, his name's Greg Leonard. Yes. Oh, rock and roll, mm -hmm. hell yeah! So, so uh, he, so he's still out in L.A. That's what he does. He just lives out there. He did. He moved. He, he moved a while ago. Greg recorded two of our records, right? 
two of our records, two yeah. of Boogie Matrix albums, and, and Big Sky Studios did a phenomenal job. Wh- which two albums? It was, it was uh, Laser, Grape. Laser Grape and Animated Reality. Yeah. Okay, and, and Animated Reality, now is that your second one, or that's the second one? I, I, I listened to, I, I listened to a right. whole slew of songs, so like, right, right. It, just, it just, you know, like... Fuck it. I'm not gonna be able to name songs. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. <laughs> we don't. We don't, I, we don't I, know I don't the know names either. either. <laughs> I actually, I actually, I, I missed the whole Boogie <laughs> Matrix, uh, um, you know, come up. Right, right. Because I, I was in on the other side of country, but like, so like it, when I came back is when I found out about you guys and started looking into you guys all and right. seeing where you guys have accomplished. Well, had accomplished and then sort of took a break from it. But we'll get there. Okay, so so you got you got music in your family, and then so coming up, what you play guitar? Were you a bedroom I did. Player? I How? played I played drums. Um, oh, okay. I had a, a, a sort of a new metal band I was in for a while. Yes. Played with the Griswolds, Toledo's own Griswolds, for uh, maybe five years as a drummer, and um, had always kind of played on and off in guitar. I'll say played arguably, whether you think I can play it or not. And um, did, you know, I loved playing drums, but uh, I ultimately wanted to have. Um, you know, play and sing, which kind of leads me to where we are, right. you know, with Boogie. But um, so. so, so where where's your heart? Is your heart with the drums or is your heart with the guitar? Guitar for guitar. sure. But I do I do really love that I played. I loved playing the drums, and I think it really helped me ultimately as a player, uh, as as an overall as a round, you know, a roundabout sure. uh, the timing. Just you know, it really gave me a lot of uh, more insight to playing. I'll say. Yeah, totally, man. Like, I feel the same. I started on the drums and then abandoned the drums because I just wanted to make noise other than atonal blah, blah, blah. So I, I totally abandoned the drums, which I wish I hadn't because I was doing pretty well with them, but I switched up the guitar. Uh, but I absolutely agree with you. Like, I feel like learning rhythm and learning timing... Uh, completely informed how I approached every other instrument that I play. It it, it just it, it get it, I don't know like I don't even I don't even know how to explain I it I still enjoy drums to this day. Yeah, I man. I, I want to get kept up with set. it, but I I can still sit in on something basic. But yeah. you know, definitely lost some skill set there for yeah, sure. Don't use it, you lose it. Well, in, the, in a <laughs> sense, you can get it back. Of course, of course. Different I, strokes, but yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, just depending on how you know. Whatever. In any case, so so you you were playing drums for a while. You were playing drums out, and then you were playing. When when did you decide to take a guitar? When was guitar like? I'm gonna go out and was it boogie where you no, start playing no, guitar? No, I'd, I'd done it, it. I'd done it on and off my whole life, and then I had an original band called Doctor Sauce, oh. and um, played in that for a while. And actually, Jim is the one who recruited me into what is now known as Boogie Matrix. It wasn't at the time. But, um, I had no idea what I was getting myself uh, into. Uh, <laughs> and yet, my best friend to this day is the oh, godfather yeah. of my daughter, and um, we spend a lot of time together still to this day. So that's very nice. That's very yeah. nice. So, Jim, what was uh, what was your musical background? What was uh, you got a lineage of music in your family? Uh, well, my d- growing up, my dad played in uh, you know church choir, and he was part of a, a bluegrass outfit. And uh, they would practice in our house. Oh, it's like nice. Tuesday nights or something. I can't remember what night. But uh, it was always over there. Like once a week, there was a big bluegrass jam in our basement. Um, and then I started taking piano lessons as you know, very young kid. And uh, kind of like you guys, I, I kind of got away from it. Yeah. Like it felt nerdy playing the piano or going and taking <laughs> piano lessons when you're like 14 years old. 
it's just not cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, at the time. It so, was a- so I started uh, farting around on a bass guitar, and by the time I got to college, I had uh, I was playing bass in a some grunge band that I was in. I don't Elysium Blue, I think, was the name of the band. That sounds grungy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> yeah, was fun. Yeah. We had fun. Um, and then I came across a Hammond organ. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's a steal. I'm going to buy that. And just started playing that, just kind of goofing off on it. And uh, I would hit an open mic. I think that's the first time I met Johnny was at an open mic at the Stoob. Right? It's the, yeah, it's the beer Stoob in Toledo, Ohio. It was, it was a fun time then. Right. And then, uh, yeah, somehow or other, I was friends with the original drummer from Glass Candy. It was Glass Candy before it was Boogie Matrix okay, in its infancy. Okay. Which is also the title of the first album. Right. And uh, I knew I, I worked with the drummer from Glass Candy, Cantrell. And uh, yeah, I went to go see Glass Candy. I said, these guys are good. They, they need a keyboard player. <laughs> and, and, they, and I said that to one of the guys. And they're like, hey, what are you doing Wednesday? And I said, I guess I'll be over. <laughs> and here we are. Ten years of that, you know, yeah. went by like that. Cantrell's last name is Cantaloupe, right? Yeah, Cantrell. Do you know what cantaloupe. kind of fruit cannot get married? No. Cantaloupe. Terrible. Sorry. That's okay. You're out of the positive. <laughs> you know how many shitty dad so, jokes come out on yeah. the show? <laughs> so that that's how I ended up in Boogie Matrix and kind of my musical story. Yeah? Yeah. So so it was mostly bass and then you're like I'm Well, it was back. piano like like you guys said how the drums help you play guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the piano you know, it made bass, learning bass really pretty easy. I thought. What do, do you? Uh, how do you view like transposing between instruments? How do you like? For me, I have a really hard time because I can play guitar, I can play bass, I can play right. piano. But you can um, really play piano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate Listen, it. No, I really appreciate it. Uh, but but I have a hard time transposing the thought of like. A, like a, a piano like a run like transposing it from a piano to a guitar i just i i don't right. see it very easily and it's still to this day i have to sit there and, and uh sort of like count shit out and it's just like it just right. goes to show how shitty my fucking <laughs> my knowledge of music is but yeah. but i mean how do you view it how do you view like the tr- transposing from instrument because you said it made it easy for you it just I, you know the, the theory behind it, hmm. how it all works and just yeah because you know, your pra- left hand and like is... you said practicing and like just like drums the piano you're doing two different things at yes once yes when you're doing it syncopation right. yeah right so you know that would make like a bass or a guitar where you're not really doing that mm-hmm. your hands are working at the same time together yes yes instead of separate right right it, so yes. it, made, it was just an easy transition because you were doing less yeah yeah i could see that i could see that and, and i know that question's weird because yeah. like i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to ex- right because because for me it's like I, i'm just seeing i'm like, a bit of a hack too dude so. well it's, <laughs> it, i think it comes with like multi-instrumentalists and yeah. some multi-instrumentalists yeah. some are just fucking obsessive fucking they have right. you know they're gonna know everything about all the instruments right. and that's all they do i mean like fucking prince and shit like you right. look at that guy that guy was a monster yeah, actually like, he's I'm, a good combination of the two players yes yes if you will yeah. yes exactly because as, as a guitar player i'll tell you this much um, <clears throat> there are two types of guitar players that I've met. There's the music theory guitar player, mm. and then there's what I'll call 
the soulful, just out of your ass, out of your soul guitar. You know, some of the my favorite guitar players I've ever known have said this to me verbatim. Each one of them, and I'll leave their names out of it. Um, you play the guitar like you just don't give a shit. Hmm. And I wasn't really sure if that was a compliment or not. <laughs> but one thing that's a beautiful marriage between in, in this band either. between, say, Bob Maltby, who's just an, a phenomenal musician across the board. Yeah. He can play piano. He's just really the heart and soul of Boogie Matrix in many ways. Um, he's the theory guy, and I'm more of the live play as yeah. hard as you can. Unleash don't, him. Don't give <laughs> yeah. a shit. So like I'm out yeah. there and just giving it at all with not... You know, uh, forgive my language. Any any fucks to give, and yes, Bob's right. kind of more reserved. So um, we we both learn from each other from that. Yeah. You know, and I I really couldn't sit there and tell you. You could put on a song, and I'll find the key and play a solo to it. You yeah. know, um, but I I don't read music. Um, I don't even read tablature, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you and can, or you just, or you can't. Well, I, I'm going to say that I, I can because I know how many frets <laughs> are on a neck. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, not as simple as people that have used it as a tool. Yes, yes. So like, I would actually have to sit there and kind of in my mind go, mm. well, you know, okay, okay, seventh fret, fourth string. Yeah. I get, I understand how it works. Right. You understand but, the um, concept. But I always, you know, I always but. taught myself scales and had help. You know, definitely help from people. Never took any lessons really, though. My father helped me a lot. And I, I play what, what I'll say in three or four scales and have just learned different shapes and positions around the neck and really just play that. And I, I think that ultimately was what was really successful for Boogie Matrix as well because, um, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes the caliber of your music doesn't um, define, you know, where you're at with it. And that was one thing that I think that there's never anyone that – didn't say this about our band. I, I uh, to rephrase the most heard comment I've ever heard is about our you know stage presence and our um, you know ability to rock a crowd, mm -hmm. and um, that was said over and over again by many different people. And I, I do still believe that's what we have because you know on a talent level you're at a wash. I think when you start to compare yourself to other people, yeah. it's actually detrimental more than it is. Uh, complementary to your thinking yeah and that's what that's what boogie matrix is if i had to put it in a, in a definition is that we get on stage and we want to kick your ass yeah and that's what we did when we were yeah. younger anyway but uh what, what, do you, what do you think about that no i i am in agreement yeah. with that hearing that comment a lot too. you heard we agreed well, I, I like I like that idea that you're like the Kraken, bring out the Kraken, you know, because yeah. like sometimes I get kind of lumped into that category too. It's just like just do something, <laughs> you go do that. Well, that's you know what, what I mean? you know. Bob was notorious for. Uh, again, I said I'd go out all out tonight, so there's no reason to hide anything. Um, Bob was <laughs> Bob was known for uh, you know he'd he'd get really angry if he hit a wrong note. He'd pull his hair out. He'd mm. hit himself in the face. And these are just fun antics about Bob. <laughs> loving husband and father, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's no the theory. He couldn't he couldn't break away from it. Yeah, yeah. You know he he but he he could play classical. He could play mm. anything. He could write. He was the one that guided us through all the tunes. When anybody had a question, we'd look at him yeah, like, right. "What are we doing when here?" Somebody would just you, make something something up out of thin air he had to be able to tell us what we were playing yeah to tell everybody else what the play. And, and and expand it too and add right. cool and right. add cool breaks yeah. and stuff like that so that's again going back in my experience when i've worked with you know so many awesome just we're so privileged we just work with so many awesome guitar players and bands that are well known and heroes to us in ways and the the fact that we ever had that chance but 
uh, that's that's the type of musician I've met as far as guitar goes. Mm-hmm. Is that it, there's really not a lot of medium right there. I think that they're either really far towards music theory right. or they're really far towards just rock and roll. Yeah, you know, even the way you might think of Jimi Hendrix playing on two strings of his brother's broken guitar. Yeah. you know, he he wasn't standing up there thinking about what musically theoretically fits right here. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just lighting it up. Yeah. you know, right. So and, and I feel like both both sides of that spectrum can be a trap as well. It's like cause, I agree too. Because you you know like you get people who are very classically trained, very stringent, and very on their you know you know like pulling their fucking hair out when they hear wrong notes, uh, and not to shit on Bob because I don't know Bob. No, shit I'm on sure Bob. he's a lovely yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, but but um but you that's how much he cared. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, which which is great. There's passion involved, yeah. but that can that can cause other problems as well. But. <laughs> But but like you you see these classically trained people who who get locked into this thing and then when you try to get them in front of like like you try to get them to improvise or something it, it, they just fall to pieces and then you right. get sheet music in front of like you know well, Johnny right. Kay we're, 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 we're all running off a sheet and he looks at it and it's you know <laughs> yeah it's Chinese well in fact right. I I sat in with a band called uh, the it was a Glass City All Stars just a great band what's that key player Jim you came up that night and oh God. Ben. Ben Maloney. Yeah. It, it just incredible. A school musician. Dude. And we were getting ready to play, which I just had a blast. And we were doing a Herbie Hancock tune. Whatever it's called. Um, but anyway, uh, that's not. he. There was I a song I really didn't know. And, and so he like wrote it all out for me musically and. Like took the time to do it and handed it to me right before we go on stage and I, and, and I looked at it and I was like uh, I I tried to not look stupid which yeah. is difficult for me and um, I think I just somehow snuck it in of him telling me what key it was in without yeah. giving that away yeah, and just yeah. sort of threw it away and and, <laughs> and went from there because I I had no clue what the hell he was talking about yeah. so yeah. Yeah, and then when you do meet somebody who has like a good marriage of the both, it's like those are the fucking murderers. Well, I was gonna say that about Bob and how much he's you know come along because one thing spending all this time with these guys is that we we truly are family. I just love them to death, and um, I want to actually talk about that one time because that's a question: what's it like being in a band? And I think I have a good answer for it. But uh, we've learned so much from each other, and I think that was one thing I saw Bob Maltby do that he to this day is um you know just a different person he's just scored this awesome wife and has a kid and has really come a long way in himself along as musically and he doesn't do that anymore he'll step up and play and i'd like to think that i helped influence as much as he's influenced me but you talk about the marriage yeah and we were both so far left and right no politically pun intended um, <laughs> that I really feel like we complemented each other to learn something from one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, that that seems like a useful th- uh, useful to have two people on the to on the opposite sides of the spectrum, as long as they can come to some sort of agreement. Right. Sometimes those <laughs> sometimes finding that agreement's not right, always the easiest. Right, thing finding to that do. middle ground to make a one cohesive sound is is another challenge all of its own. And like you're saying, being in a band is like a family, and it's like you fucking love like a family, you fight like a family, yeah. like like a you, like a husband <laughs> wife or whatever that is today. You, you show sides of yourself that you don't show normal people. Yes, and right. that's that's Absolutely. where I compare it to a relationship because these people end up seeing 
you're crazy, if you will. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the music is like the sex. So, you know, it, it really is like if you can think about your most significant relationship and the issues that you had in that and the, the, tribu- the trials and tribulations and, and then times that by six other people – then that's right. for our like, seven piece band. That's a really good description of what it was like. It was like, like being married to six dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking. And crazy. none of them have a nice <laughs> rack. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> none of them are sporting. The but they have other qualities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of brains, right? Yeah. Am yeah. I right, fellas? <laughs> so, well, yeah. No. So okay. So you got. So you're in Boogie Matrix first. And, yeah, yeah, and, and it was Glass Candy at that glass point. Glass Candy. They were playing around town a little bit, had a demo. Um, and, and who's in the band at this at point? At that point, it was Ben Durham, Brian Bell, Cantrell, uh, some Mikey dude from Bowling Green. <laughs> who did, he didn't last much longer after that, after I joined. So, so Ben Durham on bass. And that's when Mikey left is when we called Johnny. Okay, we so were you're looking like, for. I was like, I know the best guitar player in Toledo, and then he His laughed. Name's Buzz Anderson, but we, so we got Johnny instead. <laughs> but, but Buzz was busy. Let's throw out Chris Shutters and Matthew Havers. No, too. I know all those guys yeah. are awesome. Yeah, Chris is great. I, I, what who? What'd you say, uh, Matthew? Who? Matt Havers. Uh, he was in Lost yeah. Born Sons. Okay, he's actually probably definitely tied for top Toledo guitar player. Does he play? Sick. With, who does? He, does, who's he play with now, or is he just sort of? I don't know. He, he they took a hiatus, Last Born Sons, mm-hmm. and he's been kind of doing his own thing. Oh I yeah, think, they took a hiatus. I don't want to speak like for them last I don't, year, right, or something, so, or what, we're within recent times. Yeah. Yeah, I remember someone was talking about Facebook post or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting getting back into this town and like meeting everybody and like the people who. Who came up? Because I was gone for a good ten years, thirteen years, I should say. So like, that's plenty of a time for like a whole new generation right. oh, to, yeah. to pass me by. So I'm getting to know these people, and it's great, been awesome. And just from your guys' opinion over these last few years, I mean, Toledo itself has seen kind of a change and growth. What what have you seen? If you've been paying attention, I don't know. But like, what have you seen different over the last ten years? With your guys' time included until now, what, have you, what kind of changes have you seen to the music cha- scene here? Oh, man. A giant one. <laughs> Drastic. Drastic anything, change. Anything it, it, in particular? I mean, just the amount of venues that we lost. I mean, Mickey losing Mickey Finn's oh. as a music venue was was crushing. I mean, That place to is me, so awesome. To me, for one, but I think a lot of people miss that, and the bands miss playing there. Yeah, that place know? is awesome. But I heard that, what... Jason or something just uses it as a as a rehearsal studio now or something. Where's well, that? Maybe we should call that Mickey Finn's. Do you, oh, I didn't Jason, know that. Jason Finn, I think. Oh name. yeah, yeah, I know him. I, I, I his bro- Morgan was my roommate, which is Morgan Finn, oh. one of the sons. Yeah. And then I, there's Jason and Brian. Brian's the musician, I believe. Oh, okay, maybe it was Brian. Yeah. Jason's the one who 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 uh, showed me how to make crack for the first time. Oh, mm. I smoked crack for the first time with Jason. So. I've never smoked crack. Well, you're missing out, brother. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not missing out. Just a quick, just a quick rewind, though. Sure, please. J- Jim was saying, you know, how the band hooked up. So basically, yeah. Yeah. it was Glass Candy, and then um, Jim had joined the band and introduced me because this, I think, this is oh, a great yeah. story about this to the band. So we immediately kind of came into, um, you know, a, 
a, a, a well-established scene, and I have a really great answer to your question about what's changed okay, in Toledo. Please. But but anyway, um, to the to the boogie matrix, if you will, we um, were glass candy, and then at some point. They had played a yeah. show where, like, we were in BG. We were, they were double booked, and there was this glass candy band that was like, I don't know if you want to call it really goth or really metal or really punk, but they like choked themselves with microphone cords on stage and all the shit. And there was these wild ass people that showed up to a, the glass candy show that <laughs> we, we were there for down us. the street from glass candy. So I, I've always. At, Another bar in BG. Yeah, so we're both they playing were, in BG. They were at Howard's, and we were at like uh, the Speedway Fish, Lounge or Nate something. Wally's Fishbowl. Oh no, that was later. Something no, we used to play Checkers. Checkers. That's yeah. what it was. That's so the finish line. So um, anyway, how Boogie Majors came to be is we realized that we can't have this name. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, I've always thought that name was great. Everybody's always loved it. Yeah. But, I think but it's if a I'm great being honest, we did not come up with it. Um, I'm, I feel so bad saying this. I. Uh, the, the, Stephanie uh, wasn't that. No, no, it was Renee and. Um, uh, Cheyenne's friend. Yeah, Stephanie. Right? Okay, well, we know, th we had written, not. taken all these things off a board and suggestions, and we kind of put it together. Like someone I had think the word it was boogie. A my, it was a MySpace poll. It was like boogie matrix like and yeah. mechanism, and we just put it together. There's and, anybody uh, out there that remembers MySpace? We we dropped the mechanism <laughs> after a while after the the switchover of of, yeah. of group, which is just a few people, but. Um, Boogie Matrix Mechanism it was mm. and that's how we came to be and um, <clears throat> as far as the scene you say go I would say it's 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 changed so dramatically in that um, there was a giant scene and we came mm. into a position where these clubs were filled with people anyway you had like uh, the Ragbirds and, and Smokestack, uh, Smokestack okay. and One Under and all these bands going yeah. to make that was Ed's so band One Under Ed, yeah. Yeah. yeah and actually the, the drummer for that Seth Kavor he played the last five years of the boogie on drums oh, okay, who was one right of my right. favorite drummers ever yeah oh, but nice. but, sure. but anyway um you know uh the scene it's it's and i i booked for us and um you know promoted us on a lot of a lot of things and it's the political part of it is kind of uh discouraging because when it comes down to it i really don't think it has everything to do with your music and um, with us, I'd like to believe there are people that definitely love the music, but it was definitely about the party who was there. There's tons of politics that come involved, but as, as a re fast forward to today, and there is not that scene here anymore. Yeah. You know, so I think that's one of the things that attracted me because I didn't even really know what a jam band was when I, when I joined. I, I love Steve Vaughn, I love Jimi Hendrix, but I was in this, really into Sublime at the time and mm -hmm. was like, you know, into this band, Dr. Sauce. And um, I believe, uh, a bucket of Bernie brains on um, Bonnaroo really inspired me on this on this thing. But uh, the long story short is there was an established scene for these these guys. It was and, like and yeah, you could just walk into it. And, and, that, where did the gig, scene, you know? no, and this is jam scene in Toledo. Jam scene yeah. in Toledo was and, hard. And, it was and this hard. was and this is all. Do you the, guys, do you guys attribute that off the backs of Acoustic Hookah? Well, if you, I, anyone in Ohio has yeah. to base it off the back of Acoustic Hookah, yeah, right? Because they are the forefathers. They're the ones that sold out what with the time Buckeye Bijou. Lake in Legends Valley. Well, they, they used to, you know, the like they had they had Toledo. Bob Weir there, and you know, they, we, played, we played. We uh, played yeah. to. Uh, 
at the headliners, you know, just sixteen hundred people with them there. Yeah. And I don't. And one thing that's one thing I've heard too about the bands yeah, at the time. Is another place that doesn't exist. Anymore. Oh yeah, that place is like collapsing now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's I'd on. Imagine. It's on like C- Sylvania or Phillips past. Yeah. You know, uh, often in industrial. Oh, yeah, I used to work yeah. security there sometimes. Oh yeah. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> there's van- bands that we played with that are out of state, you know, regional and semi-regional national bands that said there's there's nothing like this Ohio scene and it really was incredible and yeah. untouchable. So at the time I would say totally for the first, you know, half point of Boogie Matrix where it was the original 7, absolutely that Hook had something to do with it. But um you know it also came down for our attendance, you know, we had great shows and I think it had a lot to do with who was there. I think it had a lot to do with what kind of party was established. We had a formula. You know, we only played in town once every whatever. And I think we really tried to make every show a huge party. So how do you do that? And the, I think the one part about it is getting girls dancing. Mm-hmm. Now, how the way we look that we ever did that, right. I'm not really <laughs> right. sure. Yeah. And we, but, but we somehow found a line and had, you know, just were some dudes that uh, hung out a lot. So we knew a lot of uh, really great people who influenced other people as well. Yeah. So, you know, if, I, I think we'd be lying if I was ever to say that it was just our band and our right. music that created the scene. It's well, not. We've been forever grateful for it and never ever once thought we deserved it. I think we've always been and, very humbly grateful. And as to, like, having a big party, sometimes it wasn't just the music that people were coming there for. It was the camaraderie of knowing everybody else in the crowd. And, like, and we knew everybody. Something we did when we went out of town was made sure we hung out at the after party. Yeah. You know, every at, time. At, at least some of us yeah, for went sure. to that after party and got to know these kids. Yeah. And, you know, really, that shit gra- re- really grassroots. Yeah. That shit matters. And, you and go it matters these to little, us, oh, it mattered to us to like know the people we were playing for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, then there's more love involved in it. You're not well, just up And there. we also like to really have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> which didn't, <laughs> which like didn't, which didn't yeah, hurt yeah, anybody. Drink, drinking until, you know, nine AM. That's you know that's something we do. But I, I think that's a good point right there. Is for bands touring, uh, just to point it out for bands touring, and you're doing these small towns, you know, and they can be small, they can be big, but either way, you leave an impression. Yeah, when, people when don't you, forget that kind of they stuff. They don't forget that the fucking the guy they just were like, yeah, yeah. you know, came down and did shots with them, and yeah. like you know, motorboated well, his wife, whatever it is. <laughs> it's like there's like. It, there, there right. is, like a speedboat. It's how people. <laughs> it's how. It's it's right. how people remember you. It's just another tactic. Sure. There's tons of tactics to being sure. remembered, but that is one of those ways where it's like, you remember that one time when but, we fucking party right. with you? Yeah, right. You know yeah. what? You know what was really cool about it is that um, we were always supremely genuine, yeah. and what I mean by that is that we never played anything to our advantage. We never took advantage of anyone. We were all really genuine, and without the other five people here, I can say that, you know, in the utmost sincerity. And, you know, even when Boogie started out, you know, like Papadocio, The Works, they had come and opened for us in Toledo and vice versa, and obviously they went on to, you know, national success and and deserve it, you know. um, They're great guys. Um, You know, I think that one thing that I learned – as, as promoting and management, which I don't know that I really ever did the best job or not, but uh, the, mm. the, the, the X factors that come into play, and honestly, th- there is a lot of them. So if you take uh, an equation as a band's talent and presence is appealing, plus you know luck, plus who do you know, mm. plus how do you know how to work it, mm. plus who's coming to the shows. And at that time, 
which I haven't seen. Can you seen. find somebody to bankroll well, it? Well, well, let <laughs> you know, me, that's a huge thing. Let me say this too, which it sucks to say is like, how many of these people are even alive now? Because I get on my Facebook and I see people dying from heroin left and right and all this shit. And a lot of those kids that come to these shows really ended up in a bad place because of what they choose to participate in. Yeah. So, I mean, or they end up in a good place and stop. Or going they to end shows. up in a good place or come to shows. So right. going back to the original sentence was a big part, in my opinion, first off, honoring acoustic hookah was the scene. Mm. There was a scene there and we managed to be able to become a part of it and a respected part of it in a dominating part of it for lack of better words and i don't mean that in an unhumble way no but there were other bands at the time that i think were every every bit as good as us out of toledo or better and you know we just happened to be lucky and fortunate and worked hard enough to have that built-in crowd and people knew that they would come to a boogie show in toledo and it would be packed balls to the wall in fact you know jim we in the house that you're sitting at we would get home after shows when I lived with them. We'd have to park seven blocks down the street. <laughs> there would literally be hundreds and hundreds of people Jesus. in this house, even though we didn't Before ask we, them. No, we, <laughs> no we, one we, asked we, them to come. We would tell everybody, no, no. fucking no. after party, man, fuck. do not come over in here. In fact, fuck you. We would sit there, and everybody would already be over here because we'd have to load our gear into yeah. our cars, and we'd be last here. You couldn't even park on your own goddamn street. And, and in fact, with that being ridiculous. said, uh, so many people threw in this house, but one memory that... It remains to me is the late Norman Demetrius that uh, was playing upstairs on your piano. Norman yeah. from the original player from the Works. Didn't he do Freebird? Passed or something away. Like that uh, yeah, he did Freebird. Um, yeah. But you know, people were spinning fire. And, and in fact, <laughs> in the one, backyard. one time we had this huge just, party, and, 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 and Blue, Moon, lit, Blue Moon Soup from Dayton was here. And his neighbors, who are probably in their 60s or 70s, yeah. who we clearly kept up all night, um, they were like <laughs> having a garage sale, and they tried to get a couple of uh, you know distorted hippies to set up a, a pop-up tent. An easy up. A, an easy up, and they couldn't do it. And Blue, and Blue Moon Soup ended up going over to their garage and playing bluegrass in their garage at like 9 a.m., Yeah. not had, not had going to bed. And, um, right. Did they, they enjoy the, the show? Or did Who's they that? The, well, they the didn't people. call the cops. Well, they yeah, they the didn't. <laughs> we've never been arrested. So we feel like we've done well. Uh, yeah. 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 It, you guys are talking about the party scene and you packed balls. What were, um, I mean, like, I know that, I mean, and I'm not trying to get, like, names and divulge right. secrets, but, like, what were kind of drugs and, like, did you guys have... Now, I'm not trying to incriminate anybody, but, like, did you guys sort of invite the right people? I got a good answer what to that. Would be, yeah. And what was it that you would invite? Jim, feel free after me, but um, <laughs> I feel like I can answer that like this because we're both family men. Yes. Um, there were a lot of people around us that were um, <clears throat> into some shit that we didn't even know was there, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, the heroin. Yeah. You know, Boogie's never been about hard drugs at all, and um, it was really sad to see that and you know there's there's in that hippie scene look let's let's be honest with each other you know you go to those festivals and the reason they're not working like they used to in my opinion is people feel like oh well i can just this is a free this is a free zone i can walk around with a sheet of acid hanging from my hand and Mm -hmm. just pass it to people that's not the way life works and you know maybe i'll get into it later but that's honestly what started to actually make me unhappy is that the influence on children but with boogie I, i think that i would just say that we really hung out really hard but we didn't really have any idea or really know some of the stuff that was affecting the community after a period of time 
that took its tolls, Jim? Yeah, and as far as people that would be invited, people that would help a party keep going. Yeah. That, yeah so that's so you as get, far as I want to go. No, with no, it. and but I mean because like because you guys are talking about you guys would throw parties and it, right. and to me it sounds wait, like it's more than wait, just Wait, let's back up. When okay. we say throw parties, I was not exaggerating cuz I've been coming <laughs> to Jim's house for 15 yeah. years. But when I lived here, I was not exaggerating. When we we did not tell a single person yeah. to show up here, right. and there'd be hundreds of people. They were throwing the party. So, they, well, I'm just saying. No, I was saying like the way you describe shows, the way you got the right. party started. I'm right. talking about the show and the performance itself. Right. Oh, when you guys were talking about it, to me, because because for me, like like I loved the whole jam scene coming up here, and so so like. It was. I tried starting jam bands here, and I just. I mean, it just never. Well, look. Out, let's let's just be honest with each other. Sure. Take some of the biggest names off the bill, because I had a hundred that I was gonna just name. Let's just take Fish. Yeah. Okay. Imagine how many people that you could walk to, walk up to, at that show and say, name three songs. Couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Why are they there? To get drunk. To smoke. To do nitrous in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, it's it's an established scene, and I think after a while a lot of thing about those bands and many again that I just won't even name is that there are people there just to have a good time and cut yeah. loose you know so that's I think that's the difference in what we've because you can't sell a record now you can't you know what I mean we, we adapt as uh, to survive in the in the world we're in but the, again I you specifically I think on our own time have asked me this and I I would say that it's it definitely has a lot to do with all those combining factors. Yes. Yeah. Although I believe in the momentum of Boogie Matrix, um, you know, look, we would be lying to you if we said that we weren't blessed and fortunate enough to have all those factors in one thing. Yeah. For whatever the you, timing of all of it falling. Timing into too, place great. At the yeah, same great time, word. You know? But yeah, we had the right people at our shows. Mm -hmm. People that knew that if they were there, it was the place to be. Right. And we didn't. We didn't do that purposely. And it was easy to find them because there were already people going to shows. And, and they were our friends, though. Yeah. Right. You know, that that was one. Th we never sold ourselves short. And there are times where Boogie could have went to the next level, if you will. I mean, we have sold out some clubs. We played. We did really good in Ohio. But there was one moment in time after the what I'll call the second phase of Boogie where we were approached by uh, a, a booking agent. who well, I won't name, but they were they were famous at the time. And um, we we didn't do it. We we didn't see why we would, and that's another beautiful thing about what we've always done is that we've always managed to hold down our lives somewhat too. Mm -hmm. We've never really, you know, sold ourselves to just the music and did only that. Yeah. So. So right. in in phase one of Boogie, uh, when, when did you guys? So so after you guys had that run in with Glass Candy, you decided to change the right. name, and and. Oh, you guys got a name off MySpace, or right, you had right. your your fans yeah. sort of help you. Yeah, put this yeah, together. it was like a fan poll or something like that. So what what was uh so like then you guys decided to name the first album Glass Candy then so what and that's with Johnny Johnny's in that yeah on yeah that yeah album yeah as well Johnny recorded every album with us okay uh, so so that would be considered phase one still yep with John. okay so in that album uh, and somewhere I, in that time we lost Cantrell and. Eric Loudon, who was the percussionist, stepped onto drums from percussion, and Aaron Armstrong moved on to percussion. Oh, Aaron! Aaron Armstrong. Oh, wait a second. Is he is he in a band now? I know he plays with a few bands. I he know, plays uh, with Bocano, Subterranean. 
does uh, he's he'll sit in with Sub T. He'll sit in with anybody. He's okay, a great okay. he's a great musician yeah. at large. All right, cool. He, he I know who that is then. Anybody. Okay, I know who that is. Yeah, so he he he's a, he'll yeah. I've seen him play. Yeah. yeah, I played with him actually. I played with him at a thing here. Anyways, uh, so with that first album, what? How long were you guys together as the that group going into the album? How long were you guys sort of playing? I think Johnny was only in the band for like what three, four months when we started recording that first record. Yeah, I knew you were learning oh. the songs. Well, yeah, you were actually, in the and were you guys writing for the album, or were these songs? No, already they written? already had them in place, and I stepped in a lot of them. And actually, right before. We were recording that. I had recorded one song, and and my Toyota had seized, and I tried to lift up on the serpentine belt, and it ran my entire hand through the gauges and, like, ripped off the top of my middle finger. So I, the, it was kind of, well, without description, it was not... It was enough to keep going. They like kind of. He just it. put a butterfly stitch on it. <laughs> recorded the damn album. Put a butterfly stitch on it. Spit on it. He was good. But then we recorded Glass Candy, and honestly, this is another cool thing about Boogie is that um, as much as we we practiced just constantly, and um, we actually learned a lot of our own tunes in the studio. Oh wow! Um, that seems you know expensive. really learned how to put them together and. You know, yeah. for our first album, Glass Candy, I go back and listen to it. And it's something I think people would really love or they wouldn't. But I see a lot of creativeness, and I, I'm actually still a big fan of the album. But going into Greg Leonard's studio, uh, Big Sky, um, you know, he really helped us sort of uh, sort the chaos, which mm. was seven people. Right. And, he, and he helped us, like, commit parts. And, and we really actually did sort of... Uh, you know, conform around that or, or uh, sort of assemble around it and, you learn, know. Learn the best way to play the songs. And e even in our, our, in final, our final album, Coaster Ride, uh, Danny Johns came in and recorded the whole album pretty much on the fly. So, you know, that was one cool thing about me personally recording is I really never recut anything through that. Not that it was good, <laughs> but I found that going back and you know, doing it again, I was just much better of a live player. I don't really care to record in the studio. Mm. I've never had a, a great time with it. I, it really takes a lot of it out after you sit there and listen and listen yeah. and listen to something. We always recorded a live initially, and then and we, then we'd go back and do tracks and, re, and recut yeah. tracks. But for me, it just you know, if I had something to piss around at home or something, that yeah. might be different. But going in and doing that, I I really feel like it it, it took away from our band. Yeah. Which again, to go yeah, back and you, to you think about the money you're spending on it and. I didn't you don't want to stand around and you know fuck up ten times. You know? <laughs> well, that's why that that was one of the reasons I didn't like it was like pressure or yeah. somebody who doesn't feel that pressure and you're sitting there looking at them doing the thirtieth take going, you better get this right this time or well, we're out of here. But you know? that was that was the beautiful part. It's a hundred dollars an hour about Boogie to me and and not to compare ourselves to anything legendary, but if you look at like Led Zeppelin or you know whoever whoever whoever. I felt that that's that was where we were in our element was mm -hmm. just rocking out on stage. Yeah, right. And the recording process helped us become a better band. And and actually, I would say that it, it's almost ironically comical to me because you know doing community service and evolving after you know Boogie Matrix and devoting time to other things, I had thought that I had become like this better musician. Yeah. And we revisit the albums, and I can't even play. Some of my old stuff. I'm like, yeah, what I'm am insane. I doing there? And I thought so I'd come so far. You know, I could play anything. I get on stage with these great, you know, musicians who have done it all. And I go back to our stuff and it's like stumping. And I actually had to really work at it. Yeah. Yeah. To, which I didn't expect that. 
you know, I didn't. I thought I would pick it up and just go like a bike. Cause now, I, it was, I was like 50-50 for me. Every other song, I would just, I wouldn't even know what I was playing. It just happened. It was muscle memory still. Oh, wow. You know That's what I mean? That's great. I just knew where it was going. But other songs were train wrecks. <laughs> so were you guys, uh, were you guys, from the start, did you guys sort of kind of uh, attract people from the start or was it a slow process i mean because you guys were a band for it wasn't too long it's, right only it four or five happen, years six think, years or something faster ten, than it over did. 10 years total about years five ago. and five yeah. i felt like i walked into a blessing i, I okay. had this i had this band dr sauce that we drew a crowd just because we knew a lot of people mm-hmm. but that band i remember hearing a lot about glass candy and in fact i'll even admit that I was actually pretty jealous of them. <laughs> As we all Even are when we're in, young. Not, I made his day the night not I to, Not to name drop, sure. but Brad Schiffer is always like, glass candy, glass candy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like um, we really did. I, in fact, I came across a Mickey Finn's uh, recording, which I, I really don't remember the year, so I'm not going to say it. But, um, like, I was fresh to the band. And there was a couple, three, four hundred people there, yeah. or maybe at least three. Yeah. And no, um, th- th- that scene was kind of just built in. If you got booked on a weekend at well, Finn's, I, you, I, you were going to see a couple. I never really regardless. did understand that because I felt like you guys were really established. And I said I don't understand why, but like to be honest, like ooh, I mentioned Hookah earlier. I remember we were what behind the ears, and we opened up for them at Headliners, and there was like. 16 i mean it was almost sold out yeah. i i had yeah. to park yeah. like a mile away to get into my own show and eric lanice was just amazing with me by the way great guy um but yeah like we opened up it was kind of like holy shit you know we're coming out here as young a young band and wet behind the ears to an, a, just this giant room shoulder to shoulder with people right and there was probably bands that musically deserved it better at that time but um you know Direct answer is one thing I will say is that Boogie Matrix has always been really appreciative to anyone that supported us, and we never felt like we deserved you. We appreciate you, and um, we really mean it. Yeah, Aww. that's nice. I mean, that's that's no bullshit. Yeah. You know, I never ever once had that thought in my mind, even after we did goal A or goal B. Like a lot of people, I think, some like sometimes we played this, uh, we we played late night at Hookahville at uh, uh, Buckeye, sorry, what is it? Legends Valley, and had second stage, huge lights, and it was like a concert like that, or maybe it was when we opened for Keller at Chamois Bash, one of the two. But we played the immediate weekend at Yellow Springs, and I just, in my mind, I thought, oh, we had made it. You know, we played, <laughs> yeah. five, and there was like three people in there. Yeah. And, I, and I, I can't tell you Humbling, how many, how, sure. how many yeah. gigs we played like that as well. Yeah. Like Boogie Matrix has played plenty of fucking shows where we were playing to the bar staff, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and getting drunk with them and making the best of that it's with our funny. $2, you know, so. That shit's always so funny to me. I've had those same experiences where you go and like you're in front of this massive crowd. Right. And it's just like, oh, and you leave that the night and late. The very yeah. next day, you the get humble. The next day, it's like you can't get no, you can't yeah. fucking fart into a mic to get anybody's attention, right. man. They are right. not giving a fuck, or there's nobody there. It's just right. like playing into the void is is what it just you're just pouring energy into into nothing. You're just like when you, when we it's just, not reciprocated, we, we, it's just, we it's, would just use that time as rehearsal. Exactly, paid rehearsals, so do, like, hey, or just to get drunk. Just, yeah, yeah, let's let's get real wasted and practice these songs. <laughs> let's see if we can do it when we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a great story with Bob Malt being a snare drum, but maybe I'll save it. Save it. Yeah. Save it. 
Save for what? For another day? He just yeah. broke someone's snare drum. On purpose? No, because no. he was drunk. No, he, the he was, guy shouldn't he, have handed him the drum He was the like, place. sorry, Bob, by the way, you don't have to share this. You're not on Facebook. He, he, he was passed out, like, got drunk and passed out, like, almost as the door went in. We had opened up for this band, whatever it was, Cleveland. Wasn't there? No, we were in Columbus. What was the Hard Knocks though, or something? I forget the name of the. Well, bar. anyway, so it was a Bob. J- it was a Jason. Bob's like stumbling around, and the in the headlining band looked at him and handed him a snare drum, and he was kind of like. And the hi hats. No, the hi hat no, was outside. Was so he's holding the snare yeah. drum, stumbling around everywhere, and gets out the door and falls forward and puts the snare drum right through the hi-hat through both heads on there right and, and like we felt bad That's but these so dudes bad. these dudes got really pissed off and we were like <laughs> look 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 man you see the guy yeah, he, he was sleeping him. against an ATM you couldn't ask him if it, prior you couldn't ask him if it was you yellow or red this, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally. I would have been the same way. I would have been yeah. like, no, fuck you. You saw him fucking puking yeah. behind the fucking right. bar just like five minutes ago, motherfucker. You handed him your equipment. Yeah. Silly, silly man. Well, I mean, I, that's not even that bad. It's not like. No. no. I mean, I would have paid. Bad. I don't think we I don't think we paid for it, but I would No, have. I'm positive. But the, we dude, didn't. the dude was really shitty about it, and I was just well, trying no. to like explain to him, like, hey. He would be. Yeah, well, I'd, I mean, I'd, be I'd, shitty about I'd probably it. be shitty about it, dude. Too. I don't even but, let my family carry my gear, right? I like that's I have a checkoff thing. system, you know. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because yeah, for sure. Like I, I feel you there. It's like if anybody's gonna drop my shit, it's gonna be me, right. motherfucker. Right. So yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like I, Until I, I have, can afford to insure it. Yes. And then, you insured yours? No. <laughs> I said, until I can afford to, I oh, guess I'll until, be the one until, my bad. We're still living on a dream, baby. Right. Uh, so so, so you guys, you kind of stepped into it, and you guys already had like sort of a little following here built in. So yeah. when did you guys start noticing... Um, what, what what time period did you guys start noticing? Like, so you guys got the first album. You guys went in for the second album, which which I haven't really heard the first album, but like I can hear from the second to the third album, like a huge, not a change. And I'm not trying to say the second album was shit or anything, but no, like no, I can we feel, were young. I could hear hear a huge leap. Like well, you it, should hear the fourth album then too. As well, well, I mean it's not on Spotify, we'll get into so. That. <laughs> so I can't. Well. Right. I guess I could somehow in some way, but so I'm just so like we're here. I at probably the, got a copy upstairs. I'll let you get. Well, I appreciate Coast Ride. I think so, maybe. So, what was the so what when was it when you guys started noticing like oh shit like people are coming to see us like outside Toledo outside it, of the scene. It here really was very quick, man. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a built-in following in if Toledo. The, if, the, if there was a moment that I remember that I was like, holy fucking shit. We made it, you know. <laughs> we were at uh, Nelson's Ledges. Was it Shammy? No, it was uh, Rhythm Fest, 4th of July weekend. Oh, yeah. And we were supposed to go on at, like, noon. Yeah. We were nobody. Yeah. And we were supposed to go on at noon. The sound guy got shitty the night before, <laughs> stayed up till 7 in the morning, and was sleeping through everybody's set. Oh, good. They didn't have anything set up. <laughs> we did our due diligence. We got there. When we were supposed to get there, we set up. All these other bands were like crowding because they were supposed to already have gone on too. Yeah, yeah. And they all just left. Oh. We persevered, kept our <laughs> shit on the stage. Next thing you know, we're opening for George Clinton in the P Funk All Stars. Oh shit! There's like 700 people out on the beach listening to us. Wow. And more. There, there was. They had. Uh, airplanes with yeah, skydivers. Oh, the skydivers. I love that about Nelson. And uh, 
we were getting ready to open our first song and that plane comes over the crowd goes well that totally fucking haywire and i was like all right this is i got really fucking nervous is what happened i was like oh god we better do this (laughs) (laughs) we're we're not fucking around in somebody's garage this time yeah that was probably one of my biggest moments ever yeah that weekend it was mo thursday night mickey hart friday night wow and um p-funk p-funk saturday night as he said and like 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 jim was saying we were not supposed to play this slot and a good buddy of mine brent brennan duncan um uh brennan and andy excuse me from the mac pods uh they the mac pods were there and we actually played after them and he i remember him telling me for the show i don't think i ever told you guys he was like dude you you guys really got a great slot by mistake if you will <laughs> yeah but, yeah. but, oh, but, but anyway the, like it, said, this we is before be on at noon this was before the ledges like shut down through all the town bullshit and the cops yeah. and whatever they're you know this, this is the best venue if, if by the way if you're listening and you haven't been there um, arguably one of the best venues on the planet. All shaded, camping, beach yeah. stage, huge quarry. I mean, just you, you, it's just an amazing experience. There's not it a there's not perfect. a bad spot in the joint. The vibe is fucking amazing. I mean, wherever you, wherever you camp, you, you're not getting burned up by the sun. You go down and you hang out on a sandy beach, watching your favorite band, and you go swimming and cliff diving all day. What happened? I, I'm I'm sorry to kind of deviate from the story, but what quickly what happened with the the ledges? Because well, they they've been big since I want to. Say the seventies. Did they ever really shut down? No, they didn't. They didn't like shut down. But what what, what, what shit, really happened know. in my summation and only mine, not saying it's facts or fiction, but um, <laughs> they, they had a lot of issues in the town. One being yeah. the drug movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small Amish community yeah. slash farm town, and I think the the townspeople. First of all, there's a noise ordinance. You can't play play past 11 oh, wow. and um the, the the cops were busting people and I just a combination mm-hmm. of, a, of a you know w- when people were when it got right. too when it went too far it, yeah. it, it was as it much, got it went too yeah. far you yeah. know people were walking around in there like there was no rules of society yeah. and I there's think. like hippies floating up and stuff in the quarry too right i remember hearing stories like you, they, I, they you shut know, down the quarry I, nelson's I, ledges I, I think they had a couple of for, forgive me like for that, saying but. this but one memory that sticks out about nelson's ledges and again the best place on the planet to play and i would do it in a heartbeat i did not play there one time where a young girl didn't die Oh, really? So I was an overdose. Yeah, every yeah. single time, every well, festival. I, you know, just played. statistically, if you pick 2,000 people out of a hat, one of them could, well, could die that it day. Was, yeah, especially all yeah. of them are on hard drugs. But, right. but exactly. this, it was always the same story. It was a 15-year-old, uh, you know-ish yeah. girl that got fed something or yeah. did something she wasn't used to, and that, that bothered me. Of course. But it wasn't the festival's fault, no, you know what I mean? But no. it's, you know, I think the point is, is that the... the the hurricane of all those things and then they started getting town laws and the town got involved so yeah. that's a quick answer to what you were saying so so then so then nelson legends is kind of a marker for you guys where it's like oh shit, well, yeah we no, gotta take this the, the, seriously. that show in particular uh, we were like yeah i only wanted to add on to that memory and sure. saying i was talking about brandon and the mac pods and you know so we go on and the whole beach area is just just packed with yeah, people, right. and we had, we'd never done anything like that. And I, I know we were all nervous. And we, we started off with a song. Nervous. We started off with a song called "Festy Love" off a of laser grape, and the yeah. first note is just like this hanging A, and and for me, we I hit the A. It's like Bwah! and then I look up. And this plane swoops over our yeah. stage like really close and then dives straight up in the air Whoa. and lets these skydivers out in front of these, you know, just yeah. thousands of people probably, right. if not hundreds and hundreds. But um, that was pretty 
fucking wild. Yeah. You know, we, we, that was definitely a big moment for me. Right. You say that. Were you guys bigger than what we probably deserved at that point? <laughs> but, but, but still killed it. And yeah. I, I saw yeah, some recordings and, where I, I, I'm like hitting wrong notes and you right. know, just <laughs> like shit. But anyway. I, would you, were you guys, um, uh, were you guys, uh, did you guys like the party before shows or like during the show or were you guys kind of strict Mike, on that? You'll have or? to watch the party questions, but okay, I would say that, that we for like you guys peeking for yourselves. No, no, I mean, yes to all of that okay. before, during and after, and not always all three, <laughs> not always any of them, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. every once in a while you got to have. You know, you got to keep your wits about you yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. not party for three days straight when you're at a festival. <laughs> yeah. You know, take some time, go swimming, eat some food, enjoy yourself, <laughs> take, enjoy nature, take a walk. Take care of yourself yeah. out there, kids. We, we were never into the hardest of the hard. It, it, yeah, but, uh, I wasn't I wasn't trying to, I was, I'm not no, trying no, to I, get I, I was, Were you guys slamming but, but heroin before you went there, out? There never. Was, but, there was always right. a collection of beer cans nope. on my yeah, Leslie yeah. by the end of the show. Oh, well, I'm just curious because just... Because every question I'm asking mostly is coming just from my terrible mistakes of life. It's like I've learned a long time ago that I have to be so sober to play music. So I guess that should have been my answer, my question. It's no, like, do you guys feel like you need to be sober to play music? The, no, the, this, this, but I, I don't feel like I need to be drunk either. Right. No, this interview, uh, I, I, I swore that I would just go for broke because I feel like it's a story I've always wanted to tell. Oh, I love and, it. And, um, you know, look... We, we did party. There's no doubt about it. Um, we didn't do the hard shit, heroin. You know, we never saw that. We never saw any of this other shit. But um, I would definitely say, just speaking for myself only, that um, I definitely associated music with um, being inebriated. Yeah. And that's how I'd always done it my whole life. Mm. And in fact, I'd go even far to say is that, you know, when I knew my daughter Delilah was on the way, um, I, I thought to myself, this this isn't, you know, this isn't the way that I want to be, but that's that's the saddest part about being an artist because whether you look at an actor or a musician or uh, a painter, you know, um, sometimes it ties hand in hand with that substance stuff. Of course. So it, to answer your question, I was always drinking and during before a show mm. and hanging out and, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's part of the gig. Yeah, Really, sure. it's, it's, you know, and that goes back to the, original question about our attendance and partying mm -hmm. and this and that right. we hung out with people yeah yeah we were good dudes and we had a great time yeah and i i dare someone to contest that because i know <laughs> that right. we all did you know yeah, yeah. i mean it's just it it was a really fun time in my life and to throw this in there too i, I wouldn't change it i often go back and forth like i could have had this college degree i could have did this i could have did that but at the end of the day, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade one moment. Not don't one. you don't you think that like going around and being in a band and traveling around, playing with your friends, living with you know like basically right. fucking who, playing who with doesn't family, dream of doing that, that? Isn't that some form of education that <laughs> yeah, you could absolutely. not buy from anywhere? Like well, yes and no. It depends on which way you run with it, though. Yeah. So because we all end up either healing ourselves or going the other way. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty accurate quote for. You know, um, even rock history, you know, you look back at Janis Joplin and mm. Jimmy, I mean, Jimi Hendrix died on his own vomit in the back of an ambulance. Yeah. You know, not very um, rock star. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Not to, it's actually I, quite rock Yeah, it star. is rock star. I was going to say not very glamorous. <laughs> I always I said that it's people no are like, you have <laughs> artistical talent. I call it a curse. 
I don't yeah. think it's talent. I think it's it's it, a psychopathy. It's a fucking. I'm pathology. not sure what that means. Oh, it's a pathology. It's like it's it's like a fucking. Did you say psychopathy? Uh, psychopathy. It's a it's a pathology, or it's 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 like a um, it's it's something wrong in the brain to do something over and 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 over again. That is some kind of pathology of its own. Uh, like fucking Bukowski used to call it a sickness, like to have right. to like be drawn to the typewriter, be drawn to your guitar, right. be drawn to the keys. It is some kind of pull, like like an addiction. Of, of the word I always use was compulsion. Compulsion, yes, it's very you, 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 you oh, yeah. cannot help yourself the same way like an obsessive compulsive shuts the door three times. Exactly. You Except know? for this one, people but like I, I'm gonna, love I'm, you. For I'm gonna it sit at sometimes. a piano and drink a bunch of beers every freaking night. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, no. It, over and over and over and over. It is. It, it, I, I guess I'm agreeing with you there. Yeah. But finish your thought. I'm so sorry I interrupted you. What were we Just talking about? Call you crazy. <laughs> oh, we were talking about uh, this, this. This being sick as an artist. Well, yeah, because you're saying that that you don't think it's a. Uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is that, um, again, to go for broke and, and for everybody that has ever loved us is that for me. I found a lot of self-worth out of music yeah, and, and also out of the performance. And I've said this to many people. Um, you are not a musician if you want to play on stage. And this is, again, my opinion. Um, you're a performance artist because if you were just a musician, you would be totally satisfied with sitting in your room doing that by yourself. But that's not your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal is to go out and connect with a crowd and, and make them feel emotions. And that's what I've always gotten out of music. I've heard somebody play shit that maybe go straight to tears yeah. or laugh. Right. Your soulful connection out of the art that's being presented to you, and I think that's um, you know a broad thing, whether it be music or what have you, but with music, um, that, that was my ultimate high. And I, um, you know, whatever troubles I've struggled with over the years and whatever they may be, I found a lot of peace in music and a lot of comfort and, um, you know, solidity in, in, in doing what I did. And that was my connection with it. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I loved getting out of music. And it's a, it's a roller coaster. It really is. I've, I've had the privilege to talk with many people that, have, um, you know, are in the scene and, and what it's done to them and how they feel. So, you know, it's, um, it's something that I think which you could call a, 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 a mix between a talent and a curse because, as much as you love doing it, even now, you know, as I try to get away from it, literally try to get away from it, I've realized that I still am not who I am unless I can do that on occasion. So for me personally, it's it's more performance than it is the music, and the music coincides or complements the performance, and that's what always made me feel like a great player. It wasn't my playing. It was um, the fact that I, I felt literally like I, I put more into it soulfully than is humanly possible. And that's what I've always tried to do on stage every single time. Pool of sweat. Pool of sweat. <laughs> Jim was, Common uh, as well. Yeah, it's Something that Johnny and I would always go, we've kind of always talked about it, is the pool of sweat. Um, whenever we get up on stage, you know, there's other guitar players as good as John or better. There's other keyboard players certainly better than I am. Mm. You know, other whole outfits that were better than our whole outfit. But whoever was going on stage after us was going to play in a pool of sweat. <laughs> we pool? were going to give it 110%, as they say, and uh, leave it all out there. Yeah. And that goes, so, that goes back and that, again. And that's part of the performance thing. If you're not doing it 110%, you're not going to enjoy it. 
110 yeah. well, well that might work for other bands but but what i believe to this day that made me the proudest part of boogie matrix in whatever form that it took was that that's what we were we were going to come and involve a crowd and get them into it and screaming yeah. and they would look at us and know that no one else means that more than these guys and i think that was really appealing I, is that not fucking rock and roll i mean what, what are we talking about here right, right you know you can talk about being in the jam band scene all you want and it's such a broad statement at this point i'm not even really sure what that means you could be bluegrass you could be jazz right. you could be funk you could be rock but that was one right. thing about that band that i always felt the most comfort and at home with is that no matter what we argued about or punched each other in the eye or threw a cheeseburger across the room or whatever we were into that day is that our intention as a group as a couple going back to the marriage yeah. of, of is that we were there to kick your fucking ass mm. and we all wanted to do that yeah more than more than throw cheeseburgers at each other or fucking whatever it was for the day and there were cheeseburgers right. there, there was a collective yeah. There was a collective purpose of, of going and kicking ass and, right. and, and and all the other stuff was bullshit. So when so coming out of the second album and going into the third album, like I was sort of saying, like I can hear a huge difference. Um, I don't know if it's huge, but like just hearing it over the you know the, the couple of days I've been listening I, to guys' music and stuff, I hear like a, a growth. It's not like a bad. Well, yeah. thing. It's not, there's there's a huge leap forward. No, you're not. You you're okay with where, saying what you're saying. Where where are you? Where are we at? Are we still in phase one with? Yeah, yeah, second yeah the late, after Laser Grape the first is when three albums were all the same. Okay. Yeah. Outfit. So we had the original seven members, which were Aaron Armstrong, Eric Loudon, Ben Durham, Jim Common, Brian Bell. Johnny K. Who am I missing? Oh, my God. Bob Maltby. Bob Maltby? Did I say that? Yeah. So, guitars. Bob Maltby, Johnny K. Drums. Eric Loudon, Aaron Armstrong. I forgot his name. <laughs> um, anyway, we, that was the original band. And, and, you know, look, going back to what we said, because we might as, it's 930, we might as well move the second half, half of this interview, is that on what makes this performance on October 26th at... Uh, Toledo Civic Center is that what it's called now? Uh, the Civic, the Civic something music. Hall Sorry, it's been a million things. Civic music. Yeah. Um, what go. makes this concert special is, you know, we had this this, uh, you know, many of albums for the first, you know, half a boogie, and and then um, we had a disagreement. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, we had a disagreement with a few of the members, and it shook up the band and broke up the band. And honestly, at that point in time. My partner, Brian Bell, or Mainstream, uh, the original lead singer of the band, had really helped out a lot with all this stuff, and I, I, was, I was scared. I didn't know how to completely move on, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and um, we really didn't know. And, 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 thankfully, and there were gaping holes in the music. Too. Yeah, well, you thankfully, know, you, you too. You like, have this tour de force of a lead singer. Well, right. We, well, we almost like transformed because we had been this dominant, huge part of Toledo, but not had expanded out and after that we kind of really dayton was huge as love you guys in dayton thank you so much and um huge there in columbia and cincinnati but um yeah we really didn't know what to do and um you know it was tough we, we all got together and we sort of spoke about it and tried to work it out and it just didn't happen and at that point in time our percussionist aaron armstrong had left and joined the works um and, and played with them for quite some time after that 
Eric Loudon, um, the drummer, had left and went to what a, you know family life and stuff. He's a, a I don't know what you do for a living, Eric, but uh, successful. And um, Brian Bell had left, so that left what I'll call the core four, which are Bob Maltby on guitar, myself on lead guitar, guitar vocals, Jim Common on um, keys and piano extra, uh, extraordinaire C plus and Ben Durham on bass, and we added Seth Kavorhi, who was the drummer for One Under, with Johnny Polanski and Ed McGee and those guys at that time, which was one of my favorite drummers. So um, be before that even, Danny Johns had came and recorded this album with us and toured with us for quite some time, and I'm going to yeah, say... I feel th like that with that second outfit, it was Danny almost as much as it was Seth. No, it was. No, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I wanted to say that Danny really propelled us into the next level Danny with his, recorded the record with, with his, his strong drumming he, he had played with us for about a year plus or maybe even two and then he had you know he was playing with crystal bar socks uh right. winner off american idol he's just a studio drummer and, and and just a wonderful person and uh really helped us transition through that i digress and saying that that's where we had moved forward. Like, we really didn't know what was going to happen. We had to, we lost, mind you, probably about 60 songs. We <coughs> so, had, we so had, right. I, I'm, I'm just a bit confused. So, you lost your singer? Is that yeah, what you're so, saying? So yeah. So, that so after the day, the third singer album, and original drummer. Singer and, and original drummer and percussion. Percussion went to the works. Brian Bell had moved on. What was, if you guys want to talk about it, but what was the disagreement? Um, or was it just amalgamation? Of no, everything? no. I'll, I'll say this. I, I think it was really dramatic and stupid. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk in particulars. Okay. But I think this. This is a wonderful lesson for anybody who's listening to learn about your your daily relationships in life with your loved one or your bandmates. Um, we just couldn't come to a compromise on something stupid. Mm. And it and we really didn't. I didn't really think that it was going to happen the way it did, but it mm. did. Yeah. And that was it. It was enough. That was the end of the era of yeah. that part of my life. Yeah. No, you, you know what I usually find with with bands like this is like uh, it's, it's a lot of times it's money. I don't. I'm not. It wasn't money, that, and it I'm wasn't that we screwed each other's girlfriends. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. It's like just that. to throw that out there. Yeah. Thank you, because that's the, another one. And then uh, what was the other one? Oh, like. I, there was three that I had that most common I find talking to the amount of people I talk to is like there's three most, <laughs> uh, but but you know like those those you put so much into something and 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 right you, oh, like yeah. how how can you not be passionate about something that you build from right it's a small business it's it's a fucking it's a functioning machine like everybody has to fucking play their part right and and to get that many and people like, especially seven and, people and, to and, and get like, on board yeah, with that like, all the time i mean i like can see the any other room full of guys yeah there's ego flying course, everywhere man everybody course. everybody thinks they're right everybody wants <laughs> their piece of the pie to be the biggest one yeah. you know for whatever reason, yeah, you know, I did all this work and, and you know, whatever, and so over time you can build up animosity. Oh, over of that course, kind of like stuff. any other relationship. And, and, and you know, enough of that happens, then something small and petty is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course. I I see it as something that was probably inevitable and was going to happen for one reason or another mm. eventually anyway. Whether it was you know Brian moving on or me saying hey I'm done with this I'm gonna focus on my career yeah you guys are crazy I can't keep up <laughs> and that was you an know? internal struggle with us always too I, yeah that that was something I always like like super well, do had we tough time with is like because I'm a chef and I absolutely love what I do 
and I'm kind of fucking good at it. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I didn't want to quit one to do the other. Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, it was like an even split. But uh, that was hard to tell these guys, hey, I'm not going to be at practice. And it was hard to tell my boss, hey, I'm not going to be at work. Right. So right. I wasn't going to move ahead in either of them if I, <laughs> you know. No, yeah, you get the, the one. The one thing about that breakup that I just want to add, though, is that it was a really hot and cold, bitter, warm time. Um, we'd all put our sweat, blood, and tears into those albums, and we loved that music. And I won't speak for anybody else, but for me personally, I spent the next five years trying to ignore and neglect and forget it, what I did. And um, because the show is about the reunion of that seven, I'll just say this quickly, is that um, you know Boogie had moved on into a different direction, became um, established in outside of Ohio, d- different Ohio areas, and we did really well, and it was great. And I had a, I had a fucking blast, you know, um, I really did. But, um, you know, that original music was really great, and that's what we're celebrating here mm-hmm. on, on this show. And as far as the disagreement you'd asked us specifically, again, um, I think it was a buildup of things, but at the end of the day, um, I think it had a combination to do with uh, stubbornness, um, maybe some ego, maybe some whatever, but it worked out the way it did for the better. I feel for all of us yeah. individually, mm-hmm. you know, as as people. It made it made well. And you, earlier you were talking about how Bob has grown and how you guys have kind of both grown together. In you know, you grew in his direction, he grew in your direction, and both of you guys helped me get way better at what I do. You're the, the best, dude. And uh, I remember Norman because there was, like I said, you were you lost three out of seven band members, so there was all this space to fill on stage. And you know, we all had to step up, Bob had to step up, Johnny had to start singing, I had to start taking solos, and you know, you couldn't let the whole band ride on one person's shoulders, it just wasn't going to work. So, Bob and I stepped up filling solos, and you know. It just it made me better for sure. I know that and more confident. I mean, on if, stage. If I'm going for broke here, I would say the second half of Boogie, which was just the core four: Ben Durham, myself, Jim Common, Bob Maltby, Seth Kaforhi. Um, I really had a blast with that, and I felt yeah. like uh, over accomplished. I felt amazing that we had been able to persevere because that's not something a band can do necessarily. No. Yeah, you don't know. Losing and, and I just had, I just, I just right. had the absolute the best band, times and <laughs> some of the funnest times split both ways. But, you know, to be honest, going back to the, the comparison of a relationship with your loved one, um, that's how it felt. I was so hurt by that split that, um, I had to, uh, you know, I, I kind of put it out of my mind and acted like, you know, this was so much better. See, and I don't know that they're comparable, for, really, at the end of the day. For, for me, when that happened, I kind of took it out on the music. And just like but, a, but there a, any were, animosity or anger or fear or anything, I just put that as my focus into my creativity. The, the, there were differences, too, though, because we, we didn't practice as much. We, right. we became a really hardcore live band. Well, Bob went to school. I got promoted at work. You know, we were we were all still progressing yeah. with our life while we were progressing with the band, and uh, we saw some of the height of our our success through that. Yeah. But I I will I will say I will dedicate it to the original band too, 
And I guess oh, yeah. I guess my point I'm trying to... We wouldn't to, have got there if it wasn't with the right. I guess the point I'm trying to get at is we've had the perfect... you Your original question, how did Boogie do what they did? Mm. And we've just had the absolute perfect combination of luck and um, hard work and, you know, whatever other uh, ingredients you want to throw in the cake through the entire thing. And we're just, we're just eternally grateful for that. How much were you guys rehearsing in for in, in phase one? Like what? Twice a week. Twice, every twice week. a week. Twice a week, and usually two gigs. What? Uh, now, was there anything uh, specific you guys would do in your rehearsal times that would um, that sticks out to you? Argue. Besides <laughs> argue, but nah. like, what was what was some of the things that stick out that were useful tools in rehearsing? Like, for instance. I like give examples like a, if, a if lot of it was used to learn whatever cover song we were going to play that weekend. Mm -hmm. um, when we we're trying to write new songs, we were writing new music with the seven of us. It seemed All like we time. were writing a song a week, oh, like great. just flying. Through I was going to say because you guys have like, like three, it, it, three it, was, it was nerve wracking to me. Well, also figuring figuring it out too. Yeah, like we there was so many people in the band, and yeah, we'd and, spend an hour a week. Doing the logistics of my, who's riding with who to what gig. My lovely wife is a is a, a you know a Ohio State graduate, double major, brass and strings, and um, she's uh, you know a conductor and such, and she's a different musician than me. But um, for us, like through a lot of that, the seven of us trying to put this you know abstract painting to make one good one was hard. So I, I right. think that it was just, you know, the practice was fun. And even still back in the day when we practiced, it was like, I'd be out of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, people would come over and hang out. And then all right. of a sudden I was into right. it, you know? Right. So, um, it's the practice to me with that point was just about us trying to figure out our niche and, and keep our originality. And that's the one thing about, you know, the first part of Boogie again, not to reference or separate them, but, that band really put a lot of thought into our originality and it really was original it really was mm -hmm. yeah. and it, we we took a lot of time to try to figure out and, and grow as musicians because i've heard you play yeah. you know, you're an amazing musician well thank you know, you. For sure. you are you are thank you i appreciate and, it um, too. likewise I heard your I heard you guys work on the thing right on. So i've never really seen you play live but but i heard your work well, well, you'll have the chance we'll, on October yeah, 26th. October 26th. We'll give you a Coast Ride uh, album. I'd love it. And, yeah. and moving on uh, to the second part of Boogie, just fastly, is that, um, you know, being able to expand and, and persevere that time and, and be successful and, and have a good time. And, you know, um, I've always just been really grateful for any of that. Well, uh the the reason why I was asking the the, the rehearsals because uh, you guys had a lot of transitions you had a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover because your songs right. can yeah. move from space to space was there uh, I'm always interested in how bands function especially bigger bands because uh, so like how were you guys working transitions and like trying to get like uh, were you guys using signals like how were you guys working those. Because with, I imagine with, you're employing some of those old habits Seth, to what you're doing with now. With Seth Gafforhi, it didn't matter. He was he um, again. But, but <laughs> he was talking go. about the rehearsals with the original set. Oh, the original band, the bigger end of the okay. band, and a lot of it was done on a dry erase board. You know, we'd, yeah. we'd map it out and say, "All right, you're going to solo," and we'd say, 
All right, it's either going to be eight measures or oh shit, just, yeah, down the measures. Or, or, or just you know, nod, sometimes yeah, it yeah, was, sometimes you don't want want to end at eight. And right, Chances right. are on stage you're not going to either. Right. So it would be a head nod, or okay. you know, you're going to hit that note four times in a row. Okay. And then we're going to know. So we're and, talking about and, and that was the rehearsal, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to figure or, out where or the practice goes. rather, not the rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess that's where I was going at. I was just trying to figure out yeah. like what were you guys, what methods you guys were kind of using because I know like, it was a lot of repetition too. Yeah, just like just running, just running through over. songs. Yeah, we Play did we, we did that recently with uh, when we were rehearsing. We had a song "Gifts" that none of us could remember for the <laughs> life of us, and it's got this one walk down on it that none of us could fucking figure out. And then finally we figured it out. And we were sitting in here doing a sectional practice. It was me and Johnny and uh, Bob. And we just sat there and put the drum machine on the keyboard and played it yeah. like 50 times until so we, we got, got it right. It well, that, that's, that's a good point about what I was saying between first version, second version, is, is, is Seth lived in Columbus and we just were doing a lot more touring at that time, which actually was... Uh, hurt us in toledo i think after a while we we didn't yeah. draw the crowd i almost blame myself well i think part of it was the crowd in toledo kind of well there was, was like th- i said no mickey fins no crowd in toledo. It, it, at any rate it really seemed like that's with, the way with it seth, went with seth like we in in the second part of the band what um, no 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 i have questions written down i'm not oh, trying oh, to so so long, long long story short yeah. is is to me the 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 most the best experience that made me a better musician and not to self-plug stuff but community service great band check us out we're playing all the time um with a lot of great players shameless yeah shameless but this is um, what this is for, no no right? but that that part of the band was it, i really got how would you say all of my rocks off through both parts of the band because I, we were able to just go into this thing it was just we just, just jammed so hard yeah but that was like one of the most troubling parts or, or, or stumping parts for me going back to the first part is the listen to these three cds and you think oh yeah oh yeah um and then i'd try to play it and i just was yeah it's know, not the three chord songs that we wrote afterwards you know yeah, in the it, second it was half. just like anyway what were your questions oh well yeah i was just listening to you uh well i i was asking those questions because uh, i'm curious and if you're employed those same techniques now getting ready for this show yeah so so you're saying that uh so so for the fourth album that so did you guys end up releasing it was yeah yeah like a well, big release? releasing it it means we just put it on a table you had cds yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> it was I mean, called coaster ride we we, pay, we we paid like five bucks a well, piece let's, for let's him let's and give homage to our free. first our, <laughs> our first album glass candy and coaster ride was yeah. at a studio up at uh hill and Burn. Zeta Recording Studios. Zeta at the time. It's not it's called that there. name. Chris, what's Chris's last name, please? Oh, God damn. Oh, oh, oh. Crystal. Yeah. Crystal. Okay. He recorded Glass nice Candy guy. and he recorded Coast Ride. And um, that was great. And, you know, again, it wasn't about those albums. And, and sidetrack, like, I don't know how a band's supposed to make it nowadays because you can't record an album you can't, you know, sell your music. Well, you can record Yeah, but you can be on Spotify. Yeah. All you got to do is do it. Yeah, it's, really, it, 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 and like that's where it's all gone is the streaming thing, and and, and yeah. that's such a racket too, and it, that it's forced musicians how, to go out and play more because right. they're it's, not making money. It's off how old are you, it's Mike? forced me. I'm 36. Okay, I'm 38. Okay, and I have this argument with my wife. God bless her, beautiful lady, <laughs> all the time about how social media is like completely ruined 
life and she has a different experience but for me like <laughs> you know growing up like opening that cassette tape or the life. cd yeah. with all the pictures you yeah. know waiting to see a movie come out um waiting you know a lot of these uh the smell theatrical of the parts yeah. of 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 enjoyment yeah, man, as an sure. art person oh, I smell it too yeah vinyl like that's what vinyl is now for me that's right. what so you're vinyl. rebuying vinyl i'm rebuying vinyl. i'll buy new band new artist vinyl because i just like it's tactile i like i like flipping it halfway through the fucking thing i right. mean like i i enjoy the ritual of it i enjoy looking at the cover reading it and and when you you lose all that with the digital it, it totally sterilized that experience of of getting the new album like waiting on tuesdays or whatever days they would come out waiting for that new album no that was awesome though that's, you what, know, I'm that's what i'm saying like that's that that excitement i remember built. hanging flyer after flyer after flyer on my wall from yeah. when i was collecting i mean I, w- I went and saw incubus for three bucks after they released uh science which yeah. i think is one wow. of the greatest funk Amazing. rock it was, i compared to jeff beck wired wow. in what it is though no, like if you really think about like jeff beck yeah. wired with with the with the keys rock guitar yeah. drums like yeah, one yeah. of the dopest right so right this is my opinion not jim's but um <laughs> oh i love incubus yeah, uh, science is my favorite album. They're, they're saying science. They yeah, no, it's a it is it's great. No, like with this music thing is so crazy because because like all these algorithms are just pushing these songs story. I'm talking about Spotify and streaming, but like I, I'm reading this fucking crazy book. It's called 20 Le- 21 Lessons for the Twenty First Century, and it's fucking nuts. He's breaking down like how AI. Um, as we get more incorporated with our devices, how AI is going to be able to tailor songs to you. It's gonna write songs that you like. Yeah, it'll write songs that, that yeah, it, it will write songs, it'll play songs from your childhood memories. Right, right. Off of reading the biometrics off your brain, because you're gonna be neurally linked to this motherfucker. And, and like, when you think of this shit, like, it's already happening now. These things elicit so much emotion. Dude, my daughter, my so daughter picked up a they phone. They really got you over it. the barrel for the upgrade then, don't yes. they? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's nuts to think about where all this shit's going. And, and it's gonna I'll be. I'll take that upgrade. It's gonna. <laughs> It's going to be harder and harder for musicians to navigate this I shit. I find already that, like, I listen to music all day at work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day at work. I got the radio on. Yeah. And more than I ever have in my life, I just get sick of, it's like I can't find enough of it. Yeah. You know? Or, oh, or where's the new, new? Where's the really yes. good shit now? And, and, and like, you know, that's I've not... heard it all before. Give me something new. And I'm constantly, and then if like, you do I'm find... constantly bored with music I know I love. Right. And, and what, for me, like, I've been finding that I'll find something new that I really like and I'll listen right. to the shit out of it. And then, and then, like, something new will come along and then I'll forget all about that. Like, right. that, like, it never existed. That's because in my you life. don't have the tape sitting there in your console. Right. It's just like, it's a... so easy just to be like well let's see what this is going on right, see what the, right. so it, it's such it's, it's the shuffle really, it, the yeah. shuffle is probably what's killing me it, it, it's it's gonna be a weird thing and and, and this is when, when i'm talking about this ai stuff because like me and my wife were talking about how like oh artists are gonna be fine because oh, how can you train an algorithm to create something that elicits emotion in people but 
like I said, this shit elicits emotion all the fucking time. Right. Those dopamine right. drips, those fucking like getting mad at someone talking about Trump or whatever the fuck it is. Right. You right. Know what I mean, like, so like, to, I never do that. <laughs> there's just <laughs> the algorithms have already got us, and then so right. like it's only gonna get worse. It, this book is totally freaking me out, by the way. I I, I just had to smash right. that into this conversation, but I do want to <laughs> I do want to get back to Boogie. Sure. Well, one thing I'll just say one quick please, comment. Please. I feel like the social media is completely un uh, wrongly titled. It is de-social, in my opinion. Media, right? In fact, yeah. I can't even get on my Facebook right now because it makes but, me so depressed. And um, back to another tactile thing. We were at practice, and I know Jason set, put something on Facebook the other day about this, social media, hey. but uh, about uh, booking a gig and having to cut and make flyers. And yeah. Like, we were at practice the other day. I'm like, all right, who's making the goddamn flyers? We used to do that you religiously. It, it who's, was, who's going to Kinko's? That's it was, it was all about, we'd, 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 we'd print out 400 flyers. We'd cut yeah. them up. We'd pass them out Litter to people. Litter the whole city. Yeah. A different, <laughs> different concept for sure. So as, as much as we've grown in social media, which I agree, mm. there's tons yeah. of opportunities. There's people out there making that don't even set but there's no foot in a club. They put it out social media. Right. Uh, what's that DJ that everybody loves? Mark? Uh, Ribu or whatever. I'm sorry. I don't know what the he's, hell you're talking about. A lot about. of people have gained a lot of popularity off it. So not to say that he's not, not a DJ. A million yeah. good things about it. And I've actually learned songs off of YouTube. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a. Well, but YouTube, it's majorly bad in my There's opinion. like, um, you know how there's like church players in the gospel scene? There's YouTube players now. Like, like that's become a phrase is YouTube right. players. Yeah, just like you used to say studio musician. You say, oh, he's a YouTube guy. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jim, you sent your mic. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, if you guys have to pee or do whatever, I know go we're back running. to go back to Boogie. I'll sure, talk. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, 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 what was the what was the what was the what was the nail in the coffin for the second phase of it? Because you're saying that like you weren't able to get in the rehearsal time that you were able to. No, nah, it was. You, but it, you guys were were still. It was you nothing. Still had momentum. You still had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was great. And, I actually, in our last couple of shows, we we. Uh, Damn near sold out the clubs. One of them was with the Rumpke Mountain Boys, our favorite band ever to play with, um, was with us. And it, it had nothing to do with anything bad. And that's what was great about it. It wasn't um, it wasn't that we were had a problem with each other. We just uh, were all in that same place. And what we, what we used to do religiously on New Year's Eve or somewhere around New Year's Day, um, we would sit down and talk about our goals for the year. Oh, and a- after over a decade of dedicating our lives and putting everyone around us on hold yeah. to do this, we all were like simultaneously or uh, miraculously in the same place, and we all wanted to do a different thing, and we did. And, you know, I, I, I uh, moved up into a sales position and have a daughter and a lovely home and a lovely girl, Megan, and, and Jim, you know, forged his career on um, you know his his chef positions, which he's amazing at, and he's grown and blown up restaurants to the point where he can choose what he wants to do. Um, you know, Ben moved to Colorado. Uh, Bob got married, had a kid, and, and is involved in uh, graduated for, college. First, first solar, which his parents were. You know, Bob's a really intelligent guy. Um, so basically, we whoever I didn't name that we all moved forward yeah. and and just sort of had that point. Yeah. Where we were like, hey, you know, we want to keep doing this, but there was something inside us eating and saying, hey, you know, um, we're really happy with where we are and what we've done. Why don't we just call a spade a spade and do this now? And, and I'll never forget that because 
our last three shows were just doing huge. it the right way instead of yeah, just yeah, they, the yeah I, I, I remember I cried so hard in front in Toledo uh, in front of my buddy Drudella and uh, you know uh, Tim Justice and I just it was very emotional for me to walk sure. away from but direct answer in one sentence is that we were all at a point in our lives where we were ready to 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 call it quits and not dedicate our shit to that anymore because we couldn't take it. Yeah. We couldn't take it emotionally. We couldn't take it soulfully. And um, we wanted to move on with different parts of our lives and felt like we'd contributed to what we could at that point. Yeah. And we were ready to, to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's reasonable. <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, I was, I was torn between two things I loved. And I wasn't going to get better at either of them if I kept doing both. I feel you. And at the end of the day, I had to go with the one that paid the bills. Yeah. No, and that's hard, man. It's yeah. hard because cause I know for me, because I've been, I've been doing living off art and music for the last five years. But I'm, How? Oh, I'm one gig away from fucking working at the fucking warehouse, you know, at the warehouse or at the fucking factory. So like, so it's not, you know, like it, it's not like it feels good to be almost 40 and be like, I have no savings. I don't own any property. Like I I don't even own my own fucking car yet. It's like, you know, it's not the greatest. But are you happy with that though? Because I don't think you should. Yeah. Yeah. None of that stuff is. Well, and I, I'm hearing this more and more when you talk to like professionals who are like, uh, like my I have a cousin who is this brilliant engineer who works. Uh, I better not say all that, but he he's a brilliant engineer and he fucking he had the nice cars like multiple right. houses, um, but but he's you know he's in his 40s now and and I had the same conversation with him just recently and fucking he was like dude savings and all that shit ain't what it's cracked up to be he's like I missed fucking I missed 20 years of my kids growing up fucking being on the road fucking working my ass off for all it goes back to being cursed though Mike and that's what I've been saying to you it's being an artist is is you have to be a special kind of person I think <laughs> I, I, in most I, cases and and, yeah. and what you're talking about is a, a really good home run to why you were asking us why we called it quits when we did of course you, because interesting. we didn't really feel I didn't really feel like that we were going to do any better than that yeah. and I was really proud of it and it was a, a huge huge accomplishment in my life huge accomplishment in my life well it doesn't just, seem like it's over yet well <laughs> it might not be but I, I, I just couldn't even tell you in, in good or bad and mostly good, you know, who who it made me to be. Yeah. And who I am sure. and I needed it in my life. And I'm just I love those guys so much. Really? So what who 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 what was it or who was it who was like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Let's Yeah, I think, do this I think again. it was me and Brian Bell. What for the no? For you're the, talking about for the, for the final, reunion. Final. Yeah, for the reunion. Oh, the reunion. Reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so now we're here. I, I, now. We're I, here. I, I we're think, present time. I think I ran into Brian at the beer stube for he was doing an open mic, as was I, and that's when I ran into him. And uh, yeah, him, him, and Bob were doing open mic. I ran into him. I had probably way too many beers, and we were talking about Laser Grape being 10 years old. I'm like, let's do a show. And here we are. No, clearly clearly we all want to do it, though. And, yeah, it's um, going to be a blast. And, you know, I, I recorded on Brian the, Bell. The rehearsals on, on one of Brian blast, Bell's. You know? uh, awesome. He went into this, uh, you know, 
I want to say how to say this, and I don't mean it. Like, I just feel like I don't talk very well. Um, he had some uh, religious recordings, I guess oh, you'll say. Sweet. Like Church-inspired. And he called me out of the blue, and I went and recorded on these tunes. And this was a year or two ago at this point. Yeah. But it just, you know, I love Brian. He's He is amazing. And, and for it, what it was, it was a great album. And people, I helped him out with and, a little And, you know, some too. people, just like I'm, I'm sure they feel with me or whoever, but some people loved it or hated it, but... Brian is like definitely, Brian Bell Mainstream is definitely one of the best lyricists I've ever known in my life. He had 125 words to each song Jesus. and remembered them always. He's a true performer. Yeah. He is, and he writes some amazing songs. And um, look, man, the guy's uh, the guy's the shit. And I, I really felt a special closeness to him. So this um, this reunion show to me, for more than anything. Is it's to rebond with him is what made us who we are because I, I can't imagine what he went through as well, you know. Regardless of our disagreement and with the band, but you know he had a lot invested into that, and um, you know I truly believe in a lot of his songs, and and that, that group was the shit in my eyes. Yeah. I really love. And playing it's gonna them. be again, and it's October twenty sixth. October twenty sixth. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember what I started rambling about, but the the bottom line is is why we quit and why we began. You know, we've always stayed true to and to come back and be able to do this, you know, original seven crew with uh, albums that changed our lives and other people around us is, is a huge deal. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So so rehearsals are going well. Yeah, you guys yeah, are well enough. <laughs> no, it's I'm having fun with it. Are, are you guys? Are you guys feeling like do you feel like your your chops are back up, or do you? It seems like you didn't really lose your chops because you've been going. For been for playing. me personally, it was just hard. We'll need uh, a few more. Remembering yeah. remembering who I was, and you know, again, you go in different mind states as an artist, and and where I'm at in life, doing things with different people is like, I I feel like I'm in a different place than when I was writing songs with that band. And one thing I told myself that really stuck out to me is I was trying to listen to some of our songs and play it, and then I told myself, like, well, wait a second. You are Johnny who wrote this. Like, <laughs> Stop trying to put and put a spin on it and just no. be yourself. So that's what I hope I can do. Oh, so you're almost like trying to like do Johnny like the Johnny cover band. But I don't mean to I don't mean to make it sound like that. No, but I no. just I just I've come a long way mentally. Of course. Well I mean you and, are you, And going back to that, I, I realized that I he's was He's method like, acting his own character yeah, as I, himself. Talking in the third. I was yeah. I was just trying to get reacclimated with the material and one thing yeah. that helped me personally was that I just thought Stop thinking so hard and just, um, you know, do. All right. What do you got to say? About what? <laughs> well, I, I was no. just, all I said was uh, rehearsals are going well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys I are think keeping your chops up. <laughs> I, I, I think they're, I mean, I'm having fun, if nothing else. I don't think Bob's hit himself in the face more than a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you guys ran into any disagreements no, yet? No, 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 it's no, no. Like, really. Was it's, it? Was it? Weird? Sometimes it's like, hey, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah. We're trying to learn this. Yeah, I need to hear this. Yeah. What well, was there? Uh, was there? Uh, was there any sort of like uh, walking on eggshell type thing nah. going on? Or was no. it all just like old? Nah. It was really cleansing. It, 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 fall it, right it, back it, in. It, it really was. Even like having back Eric Loudon come all the way from where he lives from. It was one of the more cleansing experiences in my life to, to date. And, um, you know, we're just going to show up October 26th and destroy like you used to know. So if you're a yeah. boogie fan of the old days, 
that's that's what we're gonna do. Halloween show. Yeah. Johnny's getting excited. I, can I am see excited. It. Yeah, I can see it. I, can I am see excited. It. You know, it, 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 it's nice, man. I, you know, like when I first got back into town, everybody kept on telling me, he's like, dude, have you heard of Boogie? Have you heard of Boogie? And I was like, fuck no. Sorry, like I haven't. <laughs> but like, you know, the more that I hear, and, 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 and when I saw that you guys actually have like a, a really good, you have a pretty decent collection of music out there, a, a, a yeah. library of music out there. And uh, especially for ten years, the the kick out fucking four albums, full length albums, and we we had it, several more, and I, I think that was like one of my biggest um, yeah. I mean, there's upsets. Five, there, there was five or six that were. We, I think we were slated to record another album right before. So we split so up. I mm. I I would say that I I was gonna go all out tonight. So I wanted to put this somewhere, is that the second round of Boogie, Seth Kaforhi was like one of the famous most favorite excuse me drummers that i've ever seen in my life and um i just remember his live performance and, and honestly there wasn't a time we played with him where like at least three or four people didn't come up to me and go oh my god we should have recorded who, live who, who is that more drummer? of our live stuff back then and, and i i do really regret that we didn't record an album with him um because we like as we said danny johns yeah. earlier he was the life support of boogie after the first half and moving on, um, he he's the one that got us to where we were supposed to be. But Seth stepping up, I mean, just was just absolutely just an animal, an animal from the Muppets. And he can um, make whoever Bonham, he's I mean, on stage with. Better, I mean, dude, too. he he is just the he's just he knows he, just where you're so going before loud, you do. Though, just so loud, but um, <laughs> yeah, he was. What was the point of my me talking about this? I don't know. Um, you know, just uh, overall, just the happiness that I found from Boogie and what we did and then and then going back to, you know, doing this show with the original members, I, I really couldn't be more excited. Yeah. You you said you, you heard that in my voice and I'm being honest. I saw it. Your and, whole body it, was just it, like, yeah. It also <laughs> is a soulful trans transformation because again, referencing your issues with your past and you know what being in a band is like, the fact that I can share this with these guys again, my brothers the loves of my life. I, I just really love every one of them individually so, so, so very much. And um wouldn't trade the experience. Mostly me, though. Mostly Jim Common, <laughs> the godfather of my child. Aww. But, um, no, it's... Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't put into words how excited I am about this show. And I really think that no matter if you choose to listen to this, whoever you are, um, going back to... to Please choose to listen to this. Uh, come see this show, you know? Well, at least gonna, a few thousand people it. will be listening to this. So. I might right, even right, change. Right. I might even chainsaw someone on stage. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jim, yeah, Jim that's, Com Jim that, that, that's happened. Jim before. Common might jump up and down. This is the original yeah. Boogie Matrix. I, I like it. Um, I, and we're we're getting close to wrapping here. So right. I know you guys have lives to live here. So, uh, um, shit, I forgot what I was Son of a bitch. Uh, well, I did want to say one thing about like I, I love your keyboard tones. What were the keyboards you were playing like? Oh man, I had the most Frankenstein rig. Because um, <laughs> like I was well, it actually, I saw some, actually I, on the second two, we were at Big Sky. I was playing a B three. B three was the, was the organ your, your setting Hammond in there and. But you had like I, synths I, I, and I, shit. Like I heard synths. And, and, and then it's just a Juno. Uh, Juno. A you still have the Juno. Juno. What's the newer? 
one. I have know? a now. I'm playing the Juno and uh, it's another Roland. The combo V combo. Oh, okay. Jim and Jim had a Les, uh, Leslie. I still have it. Too. It'll be oh. there for the Dude, show. He had this Hammond. I'm he, not lugging that thing to practice. He had this Hammond <laughs> that was like. You know, it almost is kind of like a small piano. Yeah, I had a, a and we loved the that original around. keyboard when I the the Hammond I bought mm. that I was like, oh, that thing's cool. I got I'm gonna get a deal on this. Yeah, it was a it was a '69 Porta B, oh, okay. so it was like a shrunk down, chopped In, up B. Yeah, organ with no foot pedals or anything. <laughs> But it was semi-portable. Right. You know, as long as you had five guys, you could move this thing. <laughs> that, that is portable. It, it was portable, but it weighed like 400 pounds. In the art of Jim Common, I had a nickname for him. It was Jim Common C+, better than your average man. Oh, God. The King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, <laughs> the one and only better than your average man, Jim Common C+. But I tell you that uh, in the transition, I've, I've never looked up to anyone more than I have to Jim, like he would be literally jumping up and down off the stage, like ridiculous style. I'd really admire your playing, if I can say that, Jim. Yeah. Um, I really hope that you bring that to this show on October 26th. All right. I'm taking because, a hint, John. Because, you know. <laughs> Wear you know my what? sneakers and a headband. You, you push me, and there's a Nike commercial that, on that the was, television. That was like, I would wear like full sweatsuit regalia, dude, with Tight. sweatbands, because I would. I'd be pouring sweat the whole show. This motherfucker sweats too. Are you guys gonna be? What? Where are you guys gonna be drawing? Are you gonna be drawing from the first three albums, or just specifically? Well, uh, because uh, it's the ten year laser grape or so ten year anniversary of laser grape, which is the third album. I, okay. That's gonna be our first set. We're gonna play right. it all the way through. With all the, the intros and right. shit, like yeah, yeah, we're gonna play. Shit. We're gonna play laser grape through and through. The second set is gonna be um, all your favorites. And to open up is the Funk Factory yeah. with Jason Ram, who um, Ram Rod. you know, who has, has been a friend for years and years and years, yeah. and uh, and a supporter. He's uh, the first one who told me about you guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, October twenty sixth, and just we're we're hanging out with Mike. He plays in Green Acre Sessions. Um, amazing keyboard player. Did you get a we, we had to go one see moment. Funk Factory before that. They play everywhere, and they're awesome. Oh yeah, they do. Did you have any, any more questions or? Oh, um, you know what? Because I, I can keep talking. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and we're, we're wrapping. We're, we're wrapping because I have okay. to take a massive piss. Right. Yeah. And uh, let me let me just go through. Okay, okay. Here we go. We'll yeah. we'll do we'll do a quick one. Yeah. What is a weakness in playing? I hate using weakness. What is a um. Oh, I, I still haven't found a good word. What is a what is a barrier that you're trying to overcome in in playing or something that you have in the past? So like for me, my left hand isn't all that great on the piano. Same. So I I run drills on that all the time. So that's my example. What is something that you're working on now or something that you oh, God. Uh, you, you worked play on more in the often past? than I do? I barely practice. That's probably what I'm running into. Just that's your my left hand. Th- is my like, my. Oh. my my barrier is time and motivation. Yep, I understand That's that completely. I would, I, I, I would agree to that, to and I would think for me is that um, just to set up motivation, one big thing I've learned um, for me in playing is that if I don't have something to work towards, like I don't want to work towards it. Uh, so when I had same, a band same. to play in or something to go towards, but I, I actually, if I had... Right, I got to learn I, these eight I actually songs could by say Friday. In my entire life, I don't have many regrets within less than five one musically would be completely that i don't push myself 90 percent as hard as i should or 
even practice like that. So like, I don't put any time or effort into my craft and just ride solely off how drunk you are at the show and how good (laughs) you think I sound. Right, right. Oh, the so more you drink, the better we sound. Yeah. Yeah. The more you drink, the better yeah. I sound. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All day. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, I would like to play a song from your guys' collection that's out, the, out on Spotify. It, it has to be out there. Uh, but like, or, or any. I don't know that we have anything on Spotify. There's you do. You have all three. You have three albums. Uh, so let's go. To, let's go to there. Laser Grape. Yeah, let's Jim, play let's pick one off Laser Grape. What do you want? No, to play? he's gonna. He's gonna choose. If you had to pick one off laser, what would it be? I like Ronald J. That would be his I choice. Like Ronald J too. Um, What's the one with that Spanish interlude, the Spanish guitar interlude? That's I like that Bob's. Uh, what does that go into? It's either into Festy Love. It goes into Festy or it's out of. I lo- I'd go to. Festy, right? That's Funhouse Festy. Right. Or I'd go Overload Clown Car or LIB. How about Mike? You choose the one you want. Yeah. God damn it. You're going to make me choose.
You down with Mikey P? Yeah, you, you know, know me. <laughs> Who's down with Mikey P? Everybody. Every last homie. Oh, yeah, the last oh, homie. Hey, right. thank you from Boogie Matrix, October 26th, yeah. Toledo Civic, Civic uh, Music Hall, off a uh, uh, burn. Or is yeah, it off burn? burn. Yeah. Off burn. Right by the old strip We hope to see you guys. Yeah, thank right you so much. by the old deja vu. <laughs> love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. We appreciate you. I love you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Jim. I super duper appreciate you guys inviting me into your sacred space in Jim's basement. And, uh, and, and, and you know, being open and honest with me. And, and I, I just had a wonderful time talking to these guys. Uh, these guys are great players. And um, I, I'm new to the band um, just because I, 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 you know, obviously... I haven't been here for the last 13 years. I've been here for two years now. Um, but so like I, I missed the whole boogie matrix thing. So so it's it's cool to get back get into a band that uh, sort of took a hiatus and is now starting to get the wheels turning again. So um, hopefully I can see them and perform live again. So uh, check them out. 1026. They got that show at uh, the Civic Music Hall. Um, that's October 26, 2019, the Boogie Matrix and the Funk Factory at the Civic Music Hall out on Burn next to the old Deja Vu. <laughs> uh, go to RainaMystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com and check out the latest album, 1018. Um, you can also ex- go to the experience tab and find out where Raina and I will be playing our acoustic duo, acoustic soul sets, uh, around town and, uh, around the area. Uh, this weekend we'll be out at Hooligans in Adrian, Michigan. That's Friday, October 18th, 2019 in Adrian, Michigan at Hooligans from 8.30 PM to 11.30 PM. And then Saturday, 10-19-2019 at Bono Tavern out in Bono, Ohio from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, <clears throat> you can go to modedstudios.com and support our our uh, our uh, our sponsor, Moded uh, Embroidered Apparel and Patches. Holy shit. I've been eating fucking, I've been eating fucking edibles and i just can't hold it together i mean like it's just hard to do things like it's just very hard <laughs> uh you can go to uh itunes and leave a rating for us that'd be wonderful you can leave five star ratings you can go anywhere you get your podcast leave a rating leave a comment that all helps it helps the algorithms uh direct more traffic to us so if you like us and you want the simplest way of supporting us other than listening Go rate us. Go go go. Give us a five star or one star, or whatever. You can write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing, how you're doing, whatever. You can just if you want to practice your English with me, I'll do that too. 
Uh, I haven't been getting a lot of foreigners lately. I, I, I was getting a lot of foreign emails uh, uh, in regards to learning English. Uh, in regards, well, because the name of the podcast is We Speak English Good. And uh, for a while there, I was getting a lot of emails <laughs> from people asking to, uh, to practice their English with me. Um, I will do that. I, I don't mind. I don't mind speaking simple, you know, two sentence emails back and forth to people um, in, you know, Pakistan or whatever. Uh, good times. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else is there? I think that's it. I think that's everything. Um, yeah, I've been eating edibles for like the last three days and it's just like I don't know why edibles of all the things in the world they just fucking fuck me up so bad it's, it's just ridiculous um but uh it, it, it i love how fucked up they make me like they make me really like high the feelings but the fallout is just terrible like it's not like the side effects are like uh like you know uh ibs or something irritable bowel syndrome or or you know you have just fucking you know you get you 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 get lupus just from a side effect from this medication it's weed the side effect is like hunger and, and maybe drowsiness but the side effect for me when you when i eat edibles is that scrambled eggs brains scrambled egg brain that's a medical term scrambled egg brain and it's just like i i can't get i can't stay on track i can't keep a thought i'm losing track of ideas and thoughts in real time just like just it's just they dissipate into the ether it's over uh i i can't form full sense it, it's been it, it's rough let me tell you my life is rough i've been eating edibles for days my my life is rough okay that's it I, i'm done i'm done Go check out Boogie Matrix the 26th, uh, October 26, 2019 at the Civic Music Hall with the Funk Factory. And, um, you, you know, be good to your fellow human beings. And HJ's for everybody. Love you guys. Fresh.